Welcome to the Making Laps Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Making Laps Podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason. Alongside me as usual is my co-host and brother, Jesse Gleason. Hello, everyone. And with us on the line yet again is Florida Senator Phil Jakes. Yo. I hope he can hear this. Where are you? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I cannot sleep. I cannot dream tonight. I need somebody in <laughs> It sounds like my ex used to sit on the couch and watch videos and then sing along to them. It's that bad. I thought they recorded it on one of those little Casio cassette player things. And because it reminds me of her, I'm giving it a one. That is the new worst so far. I said nobody gets a zero, no, but I will can't. give a one. You can't possibly give somebody a zero because you can't possibly give somebody a ten either. So anyway, we usually start our episodes off with personal updates. Can Nadia Komunich got a ten? Yeah, but and that cute little thing from uh, the where college the, there. Where was she the, got a ten in gymnastics? Nadia Komunich was she was a Russian gymnast, right? Yeah. Where were they holding the events? She was Romanian. Russia. Oh, she, that's part of the Russian block. Come on. They hated each other. Okay, fine. I was trying to get Jesse on something. That didn't work. <laughs> they all put skis and screws in their words, so yeah. they're the same. Their yeah. communism didn't work. It wasn't tried. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, okay, so we usually start our episodes off with personal updates, like I said. Uh, yesterday, we were at the Vault Productions uh, fundraiser picnic, second annual, and uh, we recorded that bonus episode if you haven't heard it yet feel free to go listen to that if you want uh other than that i think uh we had a pretty decent time uh jesse and i both got fat shamed by a gymnast and then uh, okay i'm still more of a sport i'm still sportier <laughs> i felt shame so i went and i ran three miles on my elliptical this morning and then didn't eat all day until jesse got here with pizza and my weakness kicked in. <laughs> this, is what, this is what peak auto racing physical fitness looks like. There's a like. theme. And then yeah. uh, there was a lot of extracurricular excitement. And um, it sounded a little bit like this. God, I go to church every goddamn Sunday. you going to bring the demon to me. I'm freaking pumped. I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> this is my hat. It's my hat now. <laughs> totally my hat that freaking movie if you don't know Hot Rod just watch it it's a hilarious if you don't movie. know what we're talking about go to the parties more often yeah and then uh, rent Hot Rod because it's hilarious it's one of my favorite movies even though it's stupid I love it anyway because <laughs> we entertain what it is it was a good time um, it's not fun yeah we had fun we had a bonus episode where we interviewed a few drivers uh I think we got Alexander Pearl. I think uh, we got Johnny O'Sullivan. We got, you know, the SK Light guys. We got Ernie LaRose, long-time racing staple in the southeast here, Connecticut here. And yeah, we wanted to get Kenny Cassidy and Tommy Silva, but we ran out of time. And Jeff Pearl believes that we will steal his soul if we get him caught on electronic devices. So, uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, he's just, you know, shy dude. So, anyway, um, 
Yeah. So it was a good time. You know, everything worked out. We left it wrapped up for us just as the rain started to hit. So we didn't get anything wet. It was good. You know, good, good time. Good food. Good cornhole. Yeah. Good time. Good people. Yeah. Exactly. So. Other than that, uh, I've been essentially buried in my garage working on my race car. By the way, if my voice it gets kind of crappy today, it's because I was talking loudly like for six hours yesterday. So, and of recording a second episode. So, bear with me. But anyway, I've been buried in my garage. My car has completely come apart, all of it. Like every spring, every every suspension thing, everything that I could think of has come out, gotten reworked and greased and cleaned and. I'm trying to prep the race car for two features in one night. So I'm, you know, greasing wheel bearings and cleaning that stuff up and putting new plugs in it and cleaning the carb out and making sure that the water pump works properly. I'm just like hoarding stuff like fans and, you know, I want to keep the car cool. So it's it's just prep work basically is where I'm at right now. I got to still work on a bunch of stuff I got left. So it's, you know, it's typical race maintenance Nothing really out of the ordinary. Just I'm preparing for two races instead of one. So, anyone two else? races that you didn't know about? Well, you know, I had an inkling that we were going to have two. I might have mentioned that it was a rumor on the show at some point, and then I asked somebody at the track, and they said they'd never heard that it was going to be two or not. And then uh, I said, okay, I won't report that as fact. And then it comes out that it's actually, yeah, we have two races. I'm glad they're doing it for you guys. You guys deserve extra time, track time and realistically i wish that place would run like 10 races a year at least 10 would be nice it's a nice round number keeps it a little bit relevant two uh, two big shows one to bookend each to bookend the year and then it's i think eight races would be what every three weeks roughly something like that if you really spaced it out yeah that's not much of a grind that's not as bad i don't see that being a problem that's kind of similar to what we did in 2016 2015 so yeah every couple weeks we have a race Instead of every week, it's not so yep. bad. It doesn't beat you up so bad, you know? Do it on a day that the uh, the racing school's operating. That way you don't have to rush to switch over the track or do it the night before. Yeah, let those guys have the track for the first half of the day, and we'll, we'll take it for the second. Make life easy. Plus, Mike, like, Mike won't mind switching the track over. There ain't much to switch over. I mean, what do you do, pick up cones and get out of the infield? Well, for the road course. Oh, I thought the racing school did... Uh, the oval stuff. I didn't know they did. Uh, the, oh, do they have the Miatas too? So I don't even remember. No, I'm talking about the racing school that does the oval stuff. But I'm sure the next day after they have road course stuff planned. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, they always have something dominant yeah. schedule. Well, of course. I mean, how else do they make money? So, whatever. Uh, Phil, you got anything going on down in Florida? You rained out <laughs> lately. We haven't rained out yet. The forecast is not looking pleasant, but it is Florida. Uh, we dodged a bullet this weekend. Uh, we took Daniel Webster's super down to Auburndale for twin 55s, finished uh, fourth and fifth, which not bad. The car was a little too pogo-y, so a little hard to get it up off the corner. <clears throat> My car, I'm going to venture down to Auburndale this weekend for the first time. I don't have a single lap there, so I have no expectations. Just going to go have some fun and see what we can do Learn a new track, little quarter mile. Supposedly, it's going to be redone completely this offseason and made into someone, something close to a four-tenths mile with banking. Really? Yeah. 
Oh. I'm excited to see what they do if they do this, because that would be more in my wheelhouse, obviously, with experience yeah, of Thompson and aside, Stafford. Aside from New Smyrna, which is kind of a Thompson of the Florida area, everything is dominated down there by, like, quarter-mile bull rings, you know? Quarter-mile and three-eighths. Yeah, tight little tracks. Yeah. You got Pensacola and Cordelia, the two closest, other than New Smyrna, that are big tracks. Uh, and then anywhere after that is Mobile. Uh, Gresham's closed. That's really about it. Yeah. So something relatively close to a half mile would probably work really yeah. well down it there. It reminds me a lot of Dylan. Dylan was just under a half mile on high banked in yeah, South was, Carolina. Yeah. It, yeah, it was kind of like a uh, smaller new Smyrna. They had real tight, real tight walls on the infield, real big bank, a lot of speed. A what bumpy. they're talking about doing is where the existing pit road is now – if you look at the aerial of Auburndale Speedway on Google Maps, where the existing pit road is now is going to be where the new backstretch is, and they're going to basically flip the pits from how it is currently, they said. So I don't know. We'll see. If they do that, it's going to have really short straightaways and big sweeping banked corners. It's going to be really, really fast. I'm actually looking it up on Google Maps right now just to see what it looks like. Quant maps? What the hell is Quant? Oh, who put that on my freaking computer? Anyway, we'll move on from that. Uh, <laughs> Pornhub? What? I said Quant. I don't privacy. know. It's a privacy thing, I guess, instead of Google. For for, for that? No, I don't, I don't need... It's a the, search engine that's not bugged up with alphabet agencies. I don't need... Internet to pornography. I am married, so um, yeah, pornography. So if, if you look at the <laughs> if you look at the overhead, you can see the pit slabs and all that. That basically they would take and swing the corners all the way out back there. Yeah. So, right. so it cool. adds probably forty feet of width to the overall track. Forty. That's actually quite a bit. Is it the yeah, racing racing surface is forty feet? Uh, the racing surface is pretty narrow at this place. So they're going to widen it uh, out so by I that don't, much? Well, they're going to take and move the backstretch back, backstretch wall back about 40 feet and open the whole track up like that. I don't know if they would leave the the quarter mile and then maybe add a D-shape. They, they've said a bunch of stuff, so we'll see. Awesome. All right, so Jess. Sir. I think we'll save our listener voicemail that we got. Surprise. We actually got one this week. Yay. And we're going to stick to. We're going to stick to the routine? We're going to stick to routine because that's what you know, people are creatures of habit. We need to keep this in. Especially we are. Of course we are. So this is the second segment of the show. And it is the DARF comment of the week. Yes. Right in your earpiece. The levels are good, though. Just clear. <laughs> I think we went through all the sounds and made them uh, a little bit better so that you could actually hear them. I touched that one. That definitely sounded a lot better for me. Yeah. Phil can't hear anything we do. So anyway, this week's Darf comment of the week comes from being in a band. (laughs) (laughs) This week's Darf comment of the week comes with a story and a rant. Isn't this gonna be fun? (laughs) This is gonna be fun. Damn loud. That's loud. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry, everyone. We had the board all sorts of screwed up from yesterday because uh, we had it on a different computer and they're all a little bit different than each other and, you know, just 
connections and versions and all sorts of codec hells. That, that one I got to go. calm down. Yeah, we had to kind of swim. swim the, you can't pick and choose because a lot of these sounds have different volume ratings and they're not all perfect. So bear with us. If you have headphones, we apologize. What just happened in here? Nothing, bud. Producer Junior has questioned us about our motives. Oh, uh, sound problems, bud. Yeah, no big deal. No, we're good. Thank you. Uh, okay, so this week's Darf Comment of the Week comes to us courtesy of Phil, because he actually um, he actually contributed to this part of this whole segment, because, I'm like I said, this is going to be a story and a, and a rant and all sorts of news articles all rolled into one. It's going to be a multifaceted Darf Comment of the Week. So we're going to go into this one here. It is from... I'll just read you this, and then I'll read you the story. This is from a Twitter user called Trevor Bailey. Okay. And he writes, and this won't make sense now, but it will later. Says, for the for absolutely the right... Just I want you to listen, because you're going to want to pick this apart psychologically. You're going to love this. All right. Pay attention, kids. Yes, sir. For absolutely the right reasons, I've taken down the video for the best in right... To I thought I read that wrong. For the best in rights for Tanner Gray, his team, family, and his friends, I shouldn't put it up in the first place to begin with. I completely destroyed his reputation and his life now because of my stupidity. Hashtag NASCAR, so that everybody can read it. (laughs) Still looking for attention. Right. But did you read the first part? He said, for absolutely the right reasons. So he made himself look really good right off the bat. Uh Look at me. I'm doing this for the right reasons. I do good things. This was a noble cause. Yes. Because the path to hell is never paved with good intentions. (laughs) Ever. No one's ever said that before. God, no. Okay, so for reference sake, uh, this is... Uh, this is actually referring to the Tanner Gray iRacing racist remark false identity saga, if anybody's actually been paying attention to that. Uh, a user with Tanner Gray's name. Because he can only be the one Tanner Gray. Because there's only one Tanner Gray possible in the world. <laughs> Personally, I know that there's at least nine different Brent Gleasons in the world because I tried to get Brent Gleason on Twitter and it didn't happen. <laughs> so... Yeah, weird, right? Okay, so, all right. A user with his name supposedly made racist remarks while in a server, which was being recorded, because people record when they play video games for some reason. Don't know why. That's called um, Twitch. Yeah, okay. That's what we do. I play my own. You make a lot of money doing that shit. If you're famous. You don't have to be. You, if you're famous. Uh, anyway... Why? I mean, people because uh, because women show their buttholes on OnlyFans, they don't make that much money. Why? Do, why do people watch other people playing video games? I don't because know why. it's lazier than actually playing video games. I mean, we did our Sid's View two hundred a number of years ago, and we, I think the last time I checked that video, it still only has like four hundred views. Yeah, and um, like I said, back in our day, you know, South Park did an episode on it. Gen X, Gen X, you know, Xennials and Gen Y or whatever. Zoomers now. Well, before Zoomers. Yeah. Um, specifically our generation and the people who enjoyed video games in their youth. Um, it was lazy to play video games. 
Now it's a whole new realm of lazy. They're not even playing the video games. They're just watching people play video games. It's reached an entirely new realm of being lazy. That's what we're at right now. That's why people watch instead of play, because then they don't have to do it, and they still enjoy the game. I know everybody's like, what? Well, I just remember John Connor saying... I just remember John Connor saying, you know, we're not going to make it, are we? You know, people... (laughs) You know, people. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't the Terminator just kind of look at him and like not say anything? Yeah, <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. So anyway, um, again, post and then he posted the video online. All right, multiple posts questioning him brought an unexpected response. Uh, Gray released a statement that he was not even on the service since like 2018 and his account was deactivated and that it wasn't him. Steve Myers and This Myers, was confirmed. And yeah. it was confirmed by Steve Myers from iRacing because he also made a statement the next day that verified Gray's statement and that the account was not the same person. A uh, Twitter post from this week's winner said that they were the one who posted the video, took it down after it was pro- I already said that uh, because it was proved not to be the person he thought it was. Would you like my rant? Yeah, I'd like your rant. I don't think it's going to be very long, but it's me just really angry at people. So, all right, let's just go into it. Which to me, if he brought, if he took it down because it wasn't the person he thought it was, it raises the question: Why only post it if you think it's a someone of prominence? Uh, do you believe, or do you only believe in destroying people who have success? I find it strange that you took it down when you found out that it was just some Joe Schmo nobody. (laughs) It's as if you really didn't care about the comments this user made. You only cared about it when you thought it was a recognizable person. If you cared about the actual issue at hand with the comments and wanted someone to get canceled or punished for it, why didn't you follow through with it? Uh, I can answer that easily. It's called social conditioning. (laughs) (sighs) I know, I'm trying to stay off, but I'm doing Keep it anyway. Going. Okay, Keep you going, were, you're good. You were convinced that those with success and money are evil because somehow they stole it from you. You were given a task to shame and destroy those who have more than you, that they're evil, to cancel them so they lose everything, and then they're equal to you now. Well, who benefits from this? The people in power who govern you. They benefit most when you make everyone weak. It's worked through all of recorded history. If those who believed this way just understood that the reason that they have nothing is because they're a lazy piece of shit instead of someone else taking it from them, then maybe we'd all be in a better place and not have things like this happen. People attempting to cancel other people. But we're not. So Trevor Bailey at Trevor Sports underscore 98 on Twitter, if you're interested. You are an NPC in the video game of life. And for that, I pity your entire lineage. And may the vengeful hand of Almighty God erase your entire bloodline from the earth, never to pollute its gene pools again, and the same to everyone who acts the way you do. How was that? Very good. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. So fucking stupid. It's so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) There's a new one every week, I swear to God. Yeah, well, I mean, you think people think that human beings have evolved just because we got computers and cell phones and stuff? <laughs> no, we haven't. We We're haven't. like this far away from throwing poop at each other, and people actually still do it. 
I mean, it, it, in racing can't escape even the, the witch trials, which the Salem witch trials, which was what you know, sixteen hundreds or something, which was 1640s? over four hundred and fifty years ago. I think it was something around then. Yeah, and now was, I have to Google it so I don't look stupid. And and basically, the Salem witch trials was just a bunch of bored teenage girls that were faking getting. Uh, possessed by witches and whatnot and they were just waiting to see what would what would happen if they call people a witch and they just sit back laugh and enjoy the fun i was watching every uh, watching all these women get towards i mean such a patriarchal society i know but it was actually a bunch of teenage girls it was that was just doing it for the lulls what was it called bad girls or whatever mean girls mean girls that's mean girl syndrome hasn't changed then hasn't changed now our toys got better, but human beings are still stupid. It was 1692, by the way. I was way off because, you know, I yeah. took history 20-plus years ago. So, Well, whatever. You got the dates wrong, but the reasons are right. I guess that's all that matters, right? That's whatever. Yeah. Close enough. In history, it's the lesson, not when it happened. <laughs> well, I mean, it does, but I mean, it's <laughs> A little still... bit of what happened. I mean, get, let's get right here. Yeah, we want to be as accurate as possible, but yeah, no, we, we suck. I do, we're, but we're I was close. Dumb. We're dumb. We're dumb as shit. Yep. Okay, so so. It, it's just it's more reasoning to ex- yeah. well, it's more of a a way to uh, convince us that race fans are the worst fans in the world. Fifty four percent of Americans are illiterate, <laughs> and uh, read below the equivalent of a sixth grade level. Didn't just we, so you know. So we're didn't we have that last week? Yes, we are, and I'm okay, going to just, repeat it every single week, probably. I'm just keep repeating. I'm going to meme it into until it gets better. I are bad at reading. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, but you can read, right? Ish. I am so smart. I'm really badly dyslexic, but yes, I can read. Well, you're a lot. You're, well, you. I think that falls out of the 54 percent. Right? Say you're in the top 46 percent. Yeah, you're pretty good there. I am. I so wanted smart. something. S M A T. S M R T. S M R T. S M A T. No, no, I'm illiterate. <laughs> I don't even get the meme right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Simpsons reference is great. All right, whatever. All right, so there's our DARF comment of the week. There were so many that we could have gone into. Just every single week there's something. I think I found another one that uh, I might have missed. And I think, oh, yeah, I had this one. (laughs) You want to, do you want to go into this one? This could be our honorary one. Okay. Do you want to do an honorary DARF comment of the week? Because I kind of do. Because Jesse offered, actually, no, he said, hey, on Facebook, you should join this group because it's loaded with idiots. And I said, how could I resist? And I lasted a day and, sh- and left because I couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> I'm like, you people are so stupid. Why? You're going to get a contact dumb. I I thought I did already. I can't. Yeah, whatever. Let's move on. So uh, do you want to cue the music or they don't even deserve it this week? Nah, let's go. Okay, they don't deserve it. All right. The, the group in question, by the way, is uh, if you go on Facebook, it's the Sirius XM NASCAR radio listener group. <laughs> My God. These <laughs> just see, it's already laughing. He's like, I already know which one you're talking about. Yeah, no, I get the idea because I listen to Dave Moody's shows every day for the most part, and I absolutely love it because, well, it's always the same questions about the same rules in the sport, and it just reminds me of how overcomplicated that NASCAR is, and that 54% of Americans are illiterate and they can't read above the sixth grade level. <laughs> You give them credit with sixth grade. So, yeah. Especially NASCAR fans. It's always the same questions. They always come into the same question. Hey, doesn't uh, doesn't the 45 
How does he? He can't have the playoffs. I thought he was out of the playoffs. Is he? How did he get into playoffs? He's not in the playoffs, you rube. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Jesus Christ. Yeah. How does Bubba Wallace be in the playoffs? That's not right. We gotta lynch him. Yeah. Let's not go I didn't there. say that out loud, right? Let's not go there. It's the South. I know. Give them at least Pe- a little bit of honesty. People are fucking idiots. Well, now they are. But we didn't even get into the comment yet, and we're already go talking ahead. about idiots. Get the comment. Second All comment. right, so SiriusXM NASCAR Radio Listener Group member Andrew Yurkovich. Uh, Y-U-R-K-O-V-I-C-H. I think I got that right. He posted this. Another reason to hate NASCAR and NBC. The I Southern saw that too. <laughs> he saw it. The Southern 500 is on the USA Network, a paid cable channel. All they want is your money. Absolutely unbelievable. What was NBC Sports Network? <laughs> what was NBC? What was, what's NBC? What difference does it make? <laughs> Do you know how many over-the-air networks there are now? Four. What do you get, like four channels at your house? Well, I love the comments are going like, who's still using rabbit ears? What's wrong with you? (laughs) You can have streaming for half the price of cable and get all of these channels because it literally comes on basic cable. Dude, people in trailers have basic cable. What's your excuse? Dale Jarrett's first ever win was on USA. USA. I remember exactly where I was where I saw that, the one in Michigan. Against Davy Allison. Bush Series, 1991? Um, no, no, the first ever Cup Series. Oh, Cup Series. Oh. First ever Cup Series That win. was uh, 93. Yeah. 93 of Davy Allison. That's he was right. driving a Wood yeah. Brothers Thunderbird. Oh, yeah. That was the Wood Brothers car. I got confused for a or second. Or was it 91? I can't remember. But, Shit. I thought yeah. it was 91. but Might whatever. be 91, but yeah, it was on USA. They also used to be on TNN. They also be TBS. T- you know? So, TNT. Give me a break, bro. Yeah. ESPN. I mean, all of those are paid cable networks, but this guy is as pissed off as anybody I've ever seen because it was on USA. We just listed how many of them off? TBS, TNT, TNN. I mean, I'd rather them be on a major, <laughs> major network too. ESPN. But it's not mad enough yeah. for me to cancel NASCAR, so whatever. It's okay. So, how many football games are on paid cable? Not many. Not many. All right, baseball games. A lot. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't get mad at no, baseball. I have the MLB app so I can watch them. Yeah. Well, football has a ton of viewership because it's a short amount of time, so people watch it. Baseball. Baseball's got a huge schedule, so it's usually on cable. But this guy is really pissed off that NASCAR has the same deal. Okay. <laughs> All right. Why can't it be free? It's just another one of those people. Why can't it be free? They're breeding. All right. That's unfortunate. All right, so anyway, we have a listener voicemail. Do you believe that? We actually get some participation, and if we ever have to count on someone for participation, it's this person because he's the only one who sends us feedback and sends us voicemails, and I don't even know if I've ever met him in real life. But anyway, it's our treasured listener, Sean Miner. He sent us in a voicemail, and everybody else who listens, which I know there's a bunch of you, has the opportunity to do it, and you're still not doing it. <laughs> Thanks for your participation. Well, don't shame you them. You all suck. <laughs> don't shame them. Well, being nice hasn't worked either, so let's do some shaming. <laughs> no, you, you owe it to Brent. No, you don't have to do anything. Because just, it's free. It's more fun if they participate. It is more fun if they participate, but you know, it can be encouraged. Uh, well, 
Just don't be shitty about it. Can please we'll hit the button. Listen. <laughs> can please. Please. Can. Hey guys, long time listener, somewhat frequent contributor, Sean Miner here. Calling in because you guys talk about all the time how you want to talk about Seekonk, but you're never there, so you don't really know what to say. Well, I'm at Seekonk every week, so I figure I'd uh, give you a little bit of a report. Whether you want these by voice message or email or not at all, let me know. So they had this week off for the Labor Day Thrill Show, but I know you guys mentioned at the beginning of the year, you know that they're starting this chase playoff gimmick, I I mean system. Uh, So that starts this week, and to make (laughs) it simple, they go in with eight drivers. After the races this week, the top six go on, and then the week after that, the top four go on. So it's a three-race playoff system. So a uh, season's worth of hard work can potentially turn into... One lucky race, and congratulations to the champion. Should be fun. Yes, I agree with him. Playoff formats have absolutely no place in any form of motorsports. And Correct. That's all I have to say, because that's all it needs to be. Um, especially short track racing. I mean, I give Seekonk a little credit to kind of dive in there and say, hey, you know, this relates to big league NASCAR. Maybe we can get some fans and excitement for it. But it's like, dude... This is you're you're shouldering the racers with the responsibility of trying to be adults, and they're not gonna be because they're trying to win a title. And it's basically, I have equipment that's now going to be a weapon. So I pity the race director who probably didn't have a say in this, but how do I know? Maybe he did. So because he's gonna have to make a lot of can, decisions, and that's going to suck for him. And he's going to determine one decision could be the determination of a whole year's work. Yeah. Subjective. Yeah. And the tech guy, too, theoretically. Yeah, tech local guy. local racers and put so. a lot more on percentage into their cars than, say, a professional team. Yeah, you know. Yes, they do. Like, we have shops working around the clock, Brent. No, I mean, like, our time, our money... You know what I mean? We're putting a lot of sweat equity into this type of thing mm-hmm. instead of just hammering money at it and having a fabricator build something for it because some corporate sponsor paid us to do it. You know what I mean? So it's a lot more self-involved. It's a lot more... Well, self-involved, okay. Yeah, that's kind of what I meant. Okay. Um, so you're asking these guys to put every single thing that they've worked for and a chance at the title on the line put their entire investment at risk because you just, you know, you just know that there's going to be one of those idiots who just tries to move somebody out of the way and they end up wrecking someone or getting wrecked or someone gets pissed and they, you know, take it out on them like Bowman Gray style. And it's just, it's a recipe for disaster more than it is something that's going to be something fruitful for everyone. And it's just unnecessary. You know, you're, you're, you're telling me that this is going to be Exciting, but what's exciting to race fans? So, Violence. They want to see the bull gore the, the clown. They want to see the guy get thrown over it. They don't want to see an eight-second ride. I want to see the bull gore. The, the, the <laughs> Just the, like I say, don't New York my Florida, don't Bowman Gray my short tracks. Yeah, that, that's the thing because you that's know that the point. you know that the psychology be, of racing has changed over the last ten to fifteen, even twenty years. And there's more and more people who are, quote-unquote, willing to do anything to win instead of be respectful behind the wheel. And you know it's going to lead to anger. It's going to lead to broken parts. It's going to lead to hurt feelings. It's going to lead 
more negative things than positive. Violence so, and mayhem and rioting. Right. So there, don't there is no playoffs. phrase. There is no phrase in racing right now that annoys the fuck out of me more than I did what I had to do to win. Go fuck yourself. It's a cop out for being untalented. It's a cop no out for being a hack. Yeah. And not having any respect. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if there's any track that's gonna that could be a Bowman Gray, Seekonk has the potential. They have. <laughs> oh boy, do they ever! They they have the the lineage. Yeah. Um, I love Seekonk. Oh, I love the place. Absolutely do. And they cleaned it up for a while, but this has a recipe for disaster. And it, I just I uh, don't. Seekonk's like where I grew up. Yeah. That's yeah. every Saturday night from I don't know 1993 through 1997. I was at Seekonk. Yeah. It's Maybe place. even before that, that I don't remember. Maybe all the way into the late eighties. Like, yeah, I mean, it's the same. That's way. home to me. It's the same thing for us. We were Waterford kids. We spent countless nights in the red bleachers. You know, yep. so it's like, it's just like I said. Even in upper upper levels of NASCAR, people hate it. Bringing it to the short tracks just kind of it cheapens everything. You know, it. Che- I guarantee the drivers it, don't like it either. It decreases the significance of your efforts. You know what I mean? And that's pretty much all you have as a short tracker. Sometimes you can't win a lot and you have to depend on being consistent in order to win something major like a championship at a track. Now that takes those guys out of the equation completely. And it puts in the guys who are really streaky, who can just steal the thing out from under them. I don't like gimmicks. I don't. It is a gimmick. That's all it is. It is a gimmick to try to drum up excitement, and NASCAR's been doing it. Now these guys are are trying it. It's to push the pass button. It's the DRS button. It's the cautions. It's the caution, caution clock. clock. It's the stages. It's everything. It's yeah. a gimmick. I don't like it. every single thing that disrupts it is a gimmick, and it's not productive. All right. All right. So. We appreciate the call, Sean. Thank you for participating yet again. Again, we can always count on him to help us out. Um, everyone else is uh, also very well appreciative. You do not have to participate if you don't want to. Trust me. I'm just kind of joking around with you. All right, so it would be nice, but it, you know, I like it. It's fun when someone no, does. No, it's mandatory. <laughs> Please? <laughs> Please? Please call us. Please. We're, we're lonely we and bored. They won't let us out until we get calls. All right, I got to discuss this real quick because uh, this kind of struck me as interesting. Jeremy Clements, you know, he won the race at uh, Daytona last what last week when the Xfinity Series complete yeah. complete and utter debacle, like twenty laps past advertised distance. That was a shit show. Well, he apparently received an L two penalty for an illegal intake after winning because they took the car. Let's see. Apparently, NASCAR found the intake to be of incorrect dimensions. After the engine was sent to the R&D center, it was actually his specific week for his engine to go, regardless of where he finished. Yep. And it just so happened to be right after he won. <laughs> so I if wonder... If it was next week at Martinsville, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, I wonder... Well, <laughs> here's the thing. This doesn't... I don't think this matters either. It's... Uh, the play, The penalty includes... We'll get into why he was penalized in a second. Ooh. The penalty includes loss of playoff eligibility from the win... 75 owner and driver points, and 10 playoff points. Crew chief Mark Setzer was also fined $60,000. The team has appealed the penalty, stating that NASCAR found the intake to be too short from the carburetor base to the bottom of the intake plenum. 
And I see you guys like kind of rolling so, in your head like, wait a minute. Uh, I'm ahead. an LS guy. Go ahead. And and one of the things with LS motors is if you want more horsepower, you run the short runner intake. But okay. it removes torque. Right. What what do you not need at Daytona? Torque. <laughs> oh wow. But what do you need? Horsepower. Stop cheating. Yeah. So um in, in typical in typical intakes, if you shorten the runner length, it typically kills power. But again, as Phil brought up, not all engines are the same. And yes, on a LS based engines they have from the factory, I think they have what? They have those weird plastic swirly intakes, but you can get the cast iron ones that bolt on. Yeah. And you can change it. You can get dual planes and you can get single planes and stuff. And apparently if you shorten it a little bit, like they tested those Holly high rams on those things. And they said that if the higher up you go, it actually kills power. And if you want, you actually get something kind of smaller and it actually is the peak that you can get for one of these or something like that. I know they've tested it on the dinos endlessly. So I have, I have a two inch spacer underneath my air cleaner on my car and the, Difference in feeling of torque is ridiculous. Yeah, but, because you have a 602 crate in your car, which has a dual, what's it, a dual plane intake, so the runners are actually pretty short and flat. So if you increase your plenum volume, you get that torque number a little bit up in the air. Yep. So. And yet Jeremy Clemens was still running 30th with like 10 to go. <laughs> well, he did say he was just kind of, they didn't have another car. To, to waste for the super speedway and with Talladega coming up, he didn't want to take a big chance. And he did a great job of dodging all of the shit all night. So yeah, I, I get running back there because he's usually pretty quick at those tracks. I think they lost a car at Talladega, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I believe they did. They they got destroyed at Talladega in a, in a wreck. Yeah, so pretty big. I don't really blame him for riding around, but I mean, Jesse Awuji was beating him, so you got to at least try and be a little better than that at that point. Yeah, again, we we said it last week. He was like 30th with 10 laps to go, and it worked out for him in the end because it went another, what, 20 laps after that. Stop cheating. Stop cheating, people. If you have to put the correct intake number, like they have part numbers, I'm certain that they're allowed to run, and I guarantee you that one did not meet whatever the protocol was, and it measured out improperly. So guess what? Now you're cheating. So stop freaking cheating. A, uh, yeah, this isn't the days of the Morgan McClure intakes. Yeah, it's not. It's not as open of a rule book as it was before. So, all right. Um, a decision on the appeal has not yet been reached as of recording. So they must be taking their sweet time on this one. By the way, if he does lose his appeal, I think he he gets all these penalties obviously enacted. But I don't think he gets to lose the win, which is very strange. Well, I thought we were done with encumbered wins. Well, when the director of competition mentioned right after the penalty that because it was taken away from the track, an L2 penalty. Yeah, since it left the facility and they yeah. didn't take it on site. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they can't take the win away from them because they didn't find it at the track. Whereas the bumper tape. Oh, fiasco, yeah, they found that at the track. Found that at the track. Sayonara. That makes sense. I mean, I guess that's kind of fair. That's that's how they do it. That's just the way it is. So, All right. Well, yeah. that's the rules. That's the rules. So we'll go with it. Yeah. So, again, no decision as of yet. I have not read anything on the um, penalty uh, appeal. 
All right. What the hell is this? Stafford time. Oh, I'm sorry. I just read something from Race Day CT. It was a tweet that I'm like, what? Do you want me to read it? Sure. <laughs> it just kind it's of probably the same one I just saw. Is it the one on Richard I Petty? I mean, I've seen, the, yeah, I've seen the same thing about 30 times. It's no disrespect tough. to Richard Petty and all that he's done for NASCAR, but it's sort of comical seeing all the posts about Richard Petty back in victory lane. It's kind of like congratulating Paul Newman for making a quality Italian dressing. Um, unnecessary. <laughs> Um, copy and paste a different tweet, please. Here's yeah, you can you can you can write your own tweet. Uh, number one, but number two, I'm get an angry DM now. I don't give a shit. Um, but number two, um, yeah, again, when you're he was winning races up until what 1984. Yes, and then yeah. he didn't win again until like 1996 as a car owner. It was, an, it was at least 10 to 12 years. Yeah. Let's yeah, just say 10 to 12 years. Bobby Hamilton, I think. How many races has he won since then as a car owner? Not a hell of a lot. Yeah, not many. It's It was less than 10 in 20 or 30 years. And yet everybody's going to... So we can't congratulate him for being back in victory lane after having like a huge dry spell for the last like 30 years? We can congratulate Rick Hendrick <laughs> and dick ride him all the way to the moon for his 270-something wins. But we can't, you know, give the king his little prop there for yeah, as a car, getting into victory lane. How Come many, on, man. Hey, uh, Phil, quick, quick quiz. How many car owner wins does Richard... Uh, not Richard Childress, because we all know. How many does Rick Hendrick have? Oh, God. It's over 200, right? Yeah, I think it's like 269, 270, something like that. Yeah, wins, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's some it's almost 300 wins, right? Yeah. You know how many uh uh Richard Petty has as a car owner? No idea. <laughs> as a car owner, it's probably like 210. He's got like 60 less wins. Yeah. Than Rick what? than Rick Hendrick. So why can't we congratulate him? The only stat about this weekend that I actually appreciated was I told you this, Brent. The well, last Enterprises time the three and the forty-three. Oh, it does. I forgot about those guys. Yeah, his father. Oh Sorry. yeah, and Pete Hamilton and them guys. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, Phil. Um, but it doesn't the, the matter. The last time the the three and the forty-three won in successive weeks was I think it was nineteen ninety-seven with John Andretti at Martinsville and Dale Earnhardt at Talladega. So that's <laughs> to me that's a cool stat. But that is a neat stat. I was kind of thinking about not Petty Enterprises or his team. I was thinking more Richard Petty himself, you know, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. You know, him versus Hendrick, not the team, I guess. I guess I was on a different different island there, but who says I, we I can't? I mean, I, I understand the, the premise of the tweet, which I don't remember where it originated, but like I said, I've seen it 30 different times. People just keep copy and pasting and changing the words up or making their own analogies. Right. But yes, he... He's not a full, like, 100% owner of the team. But who cares? I guarantee you Richard Childress is not 100% owner of his team. Can I tell you one thing? Rick Hendrick's not 100% owner of his team. Can I tell you one so thing? stop. It's, um... Right. Exactly, but... You ever walk by Richard Petty in a NASCAR garage? You ever shake his yes. hand? or You ever shake his hand or talk to him? Never shook his hand, it is but like, I walked by him. It is like meeting God himself. So if you're gonna tweet about him... Shut up. All right, moving on. <laughs> that man has a presence, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. Like, I walked by one of the Wood Brothers at New Hampshire 
Richard Petty, all these guys, they have an aura. So shut up. We can well, was we can he congratulate. the greatest race car driver in the Cup Series? Probably not, but he's got the name the King for a reason. And let's be honest, those guys were goddamn gladiators back then, so he can be whatever oh, yeah. he wants. <laughs> the man raced with broken legs for God's sakes. And concussions and broken ribs and arms and shit. He didn't give a damn. He was a tough son of a bitch. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And having the name in NASCAR alone is it's important. Yeah. You we gotta need... keep the petty name just like you gotta keep the Earnhardt name. Yeah, we need the name and and yeah, it's all about legacy. He's a dynasty and an institution. Correct. So. More on him later. Let's stick around here, though. Let's go to some local results, shall we? Let's do it. We're overdue. We are overdue for that. All right, so Stafford, they had their uh, late model, their 50-lap late model race. Uh, we'll go with limited late models first. We'll go in order. All right, so Damian Pilardi led the field to green, but only three laps in. Alexander Fern got into Matt Clement, turned him around. Rich Hammond got caught up in the fracas, ended up in the turn two wall, and wrecked out as that uh, has Major point implications, Jess. Yes, major, major <laughs> point implications. He was the leader by 10 going in. That's bad. That just put him on his uh, head there. Because now he's definitely not the point leader anymore. But luckily they have I a... I think he's like ninth. No. He <laughs> can't be that far back after leading the points. No, I'm he not... dropped t- substantially. Really? Well, there wasn't that many cars in the field. He's only ten points out of the lead now. Yeah, I figured it was a twenty point fall. swing. He wouldn't fall that far out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he's, so he's ten back instead of being ten ahead. Yeah, Jeremy Lavoy takes over the top spot. Yep, because he had a good night. Um, I think he finished. Second. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Is nine points? Sorry, my brain is fried from today. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, no biggie. All right, uh, let's see. Yeah, he had point implications. Race went green and stayed that way, with Pilardi running away for a while until about five to go when Jeremy uh, Lavoie caught him, as did uh, Matt Scapini. I love Matt Scapini. <laughs> it's like my favorite racer there. It's a me, a Matt Scapini. <laughs> He's Luigi, though. He's Yeah. All right, moving on from my obvious racism. Who then pestered Lavoie for second? Uh, that battle was enough to let Pilardi get away, and he would hang on to win his second race of the season. Is kind of how he won his first one, too. He kind of got out front and uh, had a long run and was able to just kind of get away. You know what I mean? Just run his own deal. Are so, both wins in that uh, 83 car? I believe so, yes. So he destroyed his car, or, or it got destroyed by someone else. I don't remember how it happened. Either one. And then, I mean, you got to have talent to be able to win a race no matter if you start on the pin or not so it's pretty cool hey if you're gonna start there you better finish there let's be honest it shows if he did win in the 83 both times it shows that equipment definitely matters because i know that i know who used to own that 87 car and that is an old piece i'm looking for uh penalty notices but the last one we see is uh what august 19th yeah oh all right must not be very many Boys penalties. Have been playing nice. Must have been. Well, they've girls. had some drivers go to the back. Yeah, but, but they didn't post them. Yeah, must not have posted it or something. I don't know. All right, street stocks, my favorite division. Chris Daniel Truck, uh, Chris, Chris Daniel Chuck, sorry, led the field to turn one when Adrian Parody or Paradis is that how you pronounce it? I don't even know. It's 
all French. We can say parody. It's all French to me. Parody's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Well, he sent it in about five cars deep and ran the leaders into Summers. And uh, Travis Hydar followed him through. <laughs> I actually, looked at Google, I actually looked at Google Maps for what was off turn two, and it was Summers, and I'm like, that's close enough. <laughs> I would have said Long Island Sound. That's uh, The Summers was a little bit northwest, I think, and that's, that's turn where turn four. two is. <laughs> turn four. Oh, I don't know, I don't know which four. way the track faces. Well, we, if it was Waterford, it would be in Niantic Bay. So, um, All right, so I think those guys started like third and fourth. I don't know why. Won a bunch of races this year. Uh, anyway, a caution flew for a spin in front of the leaders on lap eight. Uh, Travis Downey took advantage of the restart to take second from Hydar and immediately challenged uh, Paradis for the lead. Uh, the top three would not change, however, as uh, Adrian Paradis would take his second win of the year. Again, another very clean race. I can't really complain. It was, uh, well, I don't think it was going to get that clean for long because the SK Lights came out next. And they'll make our, up for it. They'll make up for the clean racing. Because they started 36 of these things. <laughs> Which is pretty goddamn awesome. If you got 36 cars in the division, you better start them. Because those people are supporting you. Norm's, I used to love the big races we ran. Oh, man. Jesse can tell you all about the early... The turn of the millennium. We World did. We talked about races. it. We talked, talked about it with Ernie. Yeah, we talked about in our it with, special episode. Yeah, where they yeah, go started. Listen to the bonus episode. Yeah, we were, where they started fifty cars and where Ernie started in that and where Jesse started in that and then where they finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we touched on that. So SK Lights were out next. Norm Sears led the field to green, but Ron Midford was strong on the outside. Took that away. Uh, Tyler Berry was. He actually followed him through to second. Barry would get by when a, for the lead when a caution would fly in turn three and then retake control on the ensuing restart. Midford was not going away, and the top two would gain separation from third on back, but they were battling back there also. Just every position was battling. You want what? Uh, let's see here. A caution for a spin in turn one with four laps to go would really bunch the restart up. Midford did not go on the start, bringing Nick Anglais into the mix, and he challenged hard for the lead until a... Uh, let's see here. I'm going to count it, but I think about half the field wrecked in turn three. Uh, Debus, Fuller, a couple of Chapmans, West, Sears, about ten more were involved in this wreck. They double-stacked the Chapmans. Yeah, I was actually kind of worried about that because I watched the, the flow uh, video, whatever the replay was, and I saw the car on top was leaking like coolant and water out of the engine, and it was like right over the windshield of the car below. And I'm like, "Ooh, boy," because that's really hot. It's definitely so, a good thing they got full full windshields in these cars now. Yeah, it I helps. Think most of them do anyway. You're supposed to now. I think they. I think all the SKs in this area have. You have to have a flat windshield now instead of a what the bulb or the bullet or whatever the hell those things were called. Yeah. They were cool, but now nah, the flat windshield's a little safer. So, yeah, I I actually put out a uh, <laughs> I put out a tweet that because uh, we were sitting there for a long time. They didn't have enough wreckers to handle this thing. I mean, Stafford has they a good the loader mi- out. Yeah, Stafford has a good mix of you know helpers out there and and uh, trucks and flatbeds and all this stuff to get the cars off the track, but. When you have 14 cars in one wreck, what do you do? You got like three, four, you know, 
three, four different tow trucks, and it's like <laughs> you can't stack four on each one at once, you know? It's not going to happen. All right, so what did I say? Oh, I said, uh, anyone with a truck and strap in the parking lot want to help out the, with this SK Light wreck at Stafford, feel free to volunteer. <laughs> they needed people to just come volunteer their truck and, and like a tow strap to get that place cleaned up afterwards because it was an absolute mess. Yeah, that, I mean, they did a great job of getting it done in a timely manner, but that was wicked. It's tough when you got cars on top of cars and under cars and wedged up against the wall and leaks everywhere and all sorts of coolant. I think they said they had to re- refuel There's the no tow coolant. trucks. That's illegal, sucker. Water. <laughs> Whatever. Close enough. So anyway, they got that they finally got that cleaned up. I don't think there was any wall damage that they had to wait on, but it takes a while to, you know, pull carcasses off of the racetrack and especially like 14 of them. Uh, let's see. The restart. Chris Matthews tossed it in under Tyler Berry for the lead in turn three, but Nick Anglis tried the same exact thing on Rod Midford, and the two made contact. Midford would spin. Scheduled tweet. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Barry would help uh, or get help on the restart as Alexander Pearl would battle Matthews for second and allow him to get away, and it would be enough as Tyler Berry would pick up his first win of the season and came a very opportune time as the points battle had tightened dramatically since the last race. Jesse, what's the points look like? We got top three within four points. Yikes. We got Tyler Berry with 580, Tyler Chapman with 578, Tyler Pearl with 576, <laughs> Tyler Matthews is distant a little bit but still mathematically in it at 534. <laughs> Tyler West, uh, sixty points back in fifth. She can if they have a couple bad weeks. Tyler West can do right. it. Right? Would it be Ty- Tylet West? No, Maybe. it's Tyler. Yeah, Tyler Charland is in sixth. Yep. Tyler Fuller's in seventh. They're, they got a couple <laughs> races back. Uh, the Mad Pup, Tyler Bissett Jr. <laughs> is, and uh, Tyler Chapman the second or third is ninth. Whichever and Tyler one, Sears yeah. is in tenth. Yeah, whichever Chapman they've scraped off of the. Petri dish this week. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yep, all the Tylers are up in the points title fight. Tyler Alcus is in 15th. Yep. How many more Tylers really? are Really? He's that far back? Didn't he win a race? He did, but he's had he's a bad had year like everybody luck. else. He's broken wow. or wrecked a few times. and Everybody's had a bad year. Really bad. They've just had more. It has been a really abnormal year at Stafford. Usually you get these two or three in each division that kind of run away, and it's Way Look, closer than normal is Tyler Debus has is back in eleventh in points. Yeah, Tyler Debus has had he's how far back? seven DNFs this year. He's one hundred and sixty eight points back. Yeah, he's had he won seven DNFs. What didn't he win the title last year? Yeah, he's he's had a horrible season. That yeah. poor guy. He he got freaking. He gets wrecked every week. Every <laughs> week someone out, ter- takes him out. His luck is so bad. He went out of a race because someone else's car was stuck to him. That's how bad his luck is. Yeah. That's awful. So, good luck to all the Tylers on their points chase. Uh, let's see. Why don't we move on to the late models? Because it was their special night. They ran the, I forget the name of the sponsor, 50 Paradiso. Lap. Paradiso Insurance? Paradiso Insurance. Oh, okay, because yep. I thought it was a different name before. Whatever. Paradiso Insurance 50. They don't pay us, so whatever. Birthday boy Paula Root led the field to green. And four laps in, Wayne Corey Jr. Uh, would take the lead but get sideways bad off, too. 
fall back sharply as Michael Ray would take the lead. Uh, so they traded it a lot right in the first few laps. Kevin Gambacorda would also challenge for the top spot, but Brian Fern would spin, bring out a yellow, but another spin before a lap was completed after that, kept the pace slow, so they just kept getting cautions. Uh, Gambacorda would control the top spot until Tom Fern would take the lead. About that time, Michael Bennett would go around and turn three off the nose of Adam Gray. Oh, boy. Uh, Bennett would retaliate under caution and supposedly receive a one-lap penalty, but I saw him not in the race after that, I don't think. Yeah, he gave him the brake job. Yeah. After the justice, after it was already, the sentence was came down, so. Yeah, I don't think those two have had a uh, great relationship, let's say. Nope. I don't know. No, I don't think anybody in the late miles. Does. I don't think so either. They're kind of like the <laughs> SK lights in, uh, of Fender cars because no one has a good relationship there. No. No, they they literally go out and just, it's a street brawl, and whoever comes out. Paula Root's name is on the friggin' building, and everyone smashes into him and tears him up. <laughs> That's very true. How is somebody with his name on? How are you going to do that? How is the guy with his name on the friggin' building? He's, he almost signs the paychecks. Almost, because I know Lisa does, but, you know. You get this level of disrespect. Pretty goddamn Every close. Every single week, he gets <laughs> smashed into. He could. He should go race That's a street awful. stock because it would be better for just respect it's, at this point. I mean, Jesus it, it, Christ! It's, at this point, it's ridiculous. I, unbelievable. I, um, I'm honestly shocked that Paul hasn't hopped up into an SK lighter and SK with David being in SKs. Yeah, he's got a great resource there. Exactly. They they've got a great notebook. Chassis I, Pro, obviously. I, I think they would work great together. Paul's a, I, Paul's a good driver. I like watching him. He struggled a little bit this year, but seems like he's a pretty good dude. See, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. Probably want to get the hell out of that class. Yeah, might be cheaper. Get out. Yeah. Get out. Get, <laughs> help you save yourself. Time uh, to anyway, move up. <laughs> move somewhere. Just anywhere with respect, man. Help out them little guys. Let's get some better rules for the street stocks. I could fill a whole podcast with that. All right, let's go to uh, where were we here? Uh, just past halfway. Uh, our man here, Paul Root, actually, went around after contact with Ryan Fern. There you go. Uh, Scheduled tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were already talking about it, and it happened in my notes immediately afterwards. <laughs> Whoops, that was not planned. Uh, the elder Fern retained his lead, and Wayne, he's not his dad or nothing, but I just said elder because he's older. Uh, Wayne Corey made his way back up to P2 after nearly spinning and wrecking earlier. He made a great save back then, saved his race. Adam Gray also did the same and got uh, by for second on lap 34. Caution with nine to go, and Dwayne Knoll almost made it back into the pits. He tried to make it off on the uh, access road, but the thing was dead. I'd be on the starter. Just hitting it. Just do it when it's rolling, and it'll just keep the momentum up, you know? Uh, you'll buy a new starter afterwards, but ah, ninety nine dollars at advance. Nah, I almost said discount, showing my age. <laughs> at uh, Car Quest, yeah. Um, Dwayne No coasted to a stop, set up a late race battle. Uh, restart saw Tom Butler's car snap left and then right, and then pound the wall hard with the driver's side door right before they got to the line on the restart. That was too bad. He was running the top five too for a long time. He had a great run. Yeah, he it, took that, that to me looked like a, a stripped out drive flange or a broken axle. I was thinking the same thing because of the way how fast it turned. It spun. It spun so fast that something had to break. In yeah, the if you line. if you got a spool like that, 
it's not going to turn into a traditional open rear when something breaks. It just becomes one-wheel drive, and that one wheel is going to move really, really fast, and it's just going to turn you in whatever the hell direction it wants, you know? Apparently, it was all in the right rear because... Yeah, because that thing snapped bad. I think he broke a left rear axle, and it spun yep. the right rear out from underneath him or yeah. something. Drive flange, anything. It could be anything. Strip the carrier. could be anything. But that, that thing... He was fast too though for the first race all year you don't tom butler hasn't been running up front every week in the past couple of years he's been decent but to come out and have that kind of speed after sitting on the bench all year was pretty damn impressive yeah i mean he moth he took the thing out of mothballs and it really sucks that that thing got wadded up but you know he was fast like he and ryan fern showed up and they were there to play and they came basically yep. off the couch, and they were immediately fast. But as it is the Stafford late models, they'll probably come home in a wad. Uh, let's see. Oh, we got a shout-out from Stafford announcing team, by the way, because of my tweet. And I know Phil got a tweet as well mentioned by them. So thanks, Bonsa and Kyle Ricky. Appreciate it. Yeah, I, I posted a picture of the Sahara Desert with all the Speedy Dry they put down. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't lose uh, all their Speedy Dry. I have to go get some. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, a it, again, it set up a pretty good late race battle here. Tom Fern was able to hold off Adam Gray to win the Paradiso Insurance Late Model 50, and it was his first extra distance feature that he's ever won. He says, they can finally stop bugging me about it. I believe that moves him back into a tie with Keith Rocco. It does. All time, it is now tied again because he tied him before, then Keith won later that night. Now he tied him again, but Keith didn't win the SK race, spoiler alert. Which we can go into right now. Correct, because it's the last race left I got for them this week. So, All right. SK's at Stafford. Mike Christopher Jr. led to field to green. Noah Corner took control almost immediately, though. His car was stupid fast in, in, in qualifying. He's really been gaining speed. That car was fast. It went by people. I think it shocked him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, guys who fast. race slow cars have to learn how to race fast cars. He was fast. Yeah, he was quick. I think unloaded quick. Yeah. Um, took control almost immediately. That looked like it was the safest place to be as it was super dicey behind him for a lot of positions. They were racing hard. Oh, they were really racing hard. Yeah, early. they were. I'm telling you what, the 81 there, Talon, he started 10th, mm -hmm. and he went to 4th in three laps. Yeah. I mean, when the guy's playing with house money, he's getting away with everything. Man. I need to see the he's SK He's really points. doing great. Let's check the I SK mean, points God. real quick as we... Uh, can really come up with a talking point about Mr. Todd Owen here. Yeah, he's now it's a 200 point lead. There are only he would have had 200 point lead going in. I believe no, it's only 100, 100 points, point but, lead. Um, two race lead. I mean, we have I believe three races left at Stafford, correct? Because they have one next yes, week, then they, they have, have a week, week off, off before, and then they do two yep. weeks. So there's only three weeks left at Stafford. Todd, do Owen, they do two weeks? I thought this fall final was that was it. It's two races, I'm pretty sure, but I'm not. Sh I know they no, they do the fall final and then they do a week after now. Yeah, I don't remember. Got September 9th. September 9th, right? Then they take a week off and they go to September 13th. Then the 23rd. I mean 23rd. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't speak. Then the 24th. Then they do the 24th as the fall final, and then they do Champions Night on the 30th. On the 30th, so that's one, two. Well, the 24th is tri-track. It's a tri-track race. They SK run a, an SK race. I don't know if that's a point so, race or not, but... It is. It is, so then the SK is probably a four races left then. 
Do they run the that Invitational is nine points. That's on twenty four. Oh, the SK Light Invitational. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's really one, two, two and a half, three weeks. That's not confusing at all. So is it three weeks? It's three weeks. Three races so, left for everybody. Essentially, if he beats... Of course, it's not confusing, Phil, because approximately uh, 56%, 54% of Americans are have, <laughs> read the equivalent of a sixth grade level. <laughs> it's not technically illiterate if you can read, right? <laughs> no, if we can read. <laughs> I just, for me, the fall final was always that's it. Yeah, and that after, was... Yeah. After COVID, that's apparently changed. No, they changed it, and I honestly don't care. It's fine. It's going to be Champions Night, which is the fall finale, fall final, final. We mean it this time. Right. They just changed it to Champions Night. Like, like a few game. years ago when they did, like, what was it? The the Spring Sizzler was three weeks into the season because of weather. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. They yeah, just they had a scheduled point. it whenever they could get it. By the way, I it, admittedly haven't looked at the Stafford schedule all year. I just turn it on if, on Friday um, night on Flow. If I do my math right. Which my math is terrible. This is why I don't do math as a living. I just read things and throw it out my window. Um, if he wins Todd next Owen, week, he's all set. No, if Todd Owen scores basically two points on Marcello Refrano and enough to uh, enough on Ronnie Williams that he basically breaks even or whatever, he can lose a bunch to Ronnie Williams either. But as long as he's a hundred and two points up going into the last two races, he can lock the title up, no problem. He can stay home and watch Yeah, not have to fix a wrecked race car. Two races ahead of time. That's insane. That's impressive. Think about a couple of years ago, the guy yeah. the guy ended up tying with Ronnie Williams and losing on tiebreaker. Let's now not he's... talk about it too much. Somebody might cry and they might do a playoff system. <laughs> Let's not because... Uh, I don't should... think Stafford would do that. No, here's the thing. Having races like this, like point races like this, is more of a fluke than anything you have to do with with playoffs. Yeah, usually they don't have years. Usually, like this. usually the guy doesn't clinch the title two races in advance or three races in advance or however many. And if a guy's going to clinch a title with the SKs and how deep that division is at Stafford with you two races ago, you celebrate that because that man is a uh, superhero. That is one of those landmark seasons that you're going to talk about years from now. So. You yeah. could watch history be made and appreciate it, or you could just... That right there you know. is a caption for the Wall of Honor uh, version 4, which Absolutely. I think they're talking about now, right now. So, um, Anyway, which I think if you're a multi-time track champion, you're probably making the wall, especially in the SKs. Uh, let's see, where were we at here? Yeah, we were talking... The wall. We were talking Tahoe, and yeah, he moved from 10th to 2nd in like 10 laps. Like the oh. man was moving, big wreck between his uh, house car teammate guy, Anthony Flannery, and uh, John Montesanto on lap twelve stopped the momentum of the event. Boy, that was a big one. Montesanto went flying after. Yeah, he, he did the back a rebel yell car. and the Dixie horn and everything. Just Boss Hog's Cadillac came to a screeching halt. The damn Duke boys, man. I mean, it's funny how those SKs, you know, the down bar that goes all the way to the back acts like a freaking ramp if you hit it the wrong way. You catch that thing right, you're going right over it. Uh, what a hard hit for Flannery to holy smokes and yeah. for the NASA 73. just needs to, to hire Montesano because they can't get the Artemis rocket up, but he can get off the ground. Hey, man. Oh, I'm glad he was all right. No yeah, back injuries. He's not a younger guy. He's kind of an older guy at this point, but... Yeah. Uh, you don't want to land flat in one of those things anyway. So I'm glad he didn't hurt his back. I mean, you saw John Puglio, who's a strapping young lad, get hurt 
because he landed bad in one of those cars. So imagine somebody, I'll just say twice his age, will be nice. Um. <laughs> Osteoporosis. <laughs> Drink your milk, kids. Phil's trying to say three times, but I'm trying to be nice. Um, it probably is. But that's um, just, you don't want to land like that. That sucks. You know, that would be real bad. So I'm glad he got out. He's all right from what I can hear. Let's see here. Corey DiMatteo would make a strong move from the second row and challenge for the lead until another incident would bring out yet another yellow. Uh, Corner would battle back for the lead. Another yellow for yet another (laughs) incident in turn one. But DiMatteo finally took advantage on the following restart and led before halfway. Uh, David Root made it very interesting until contact sent him sideways and he lost a whole ton of spots. But that would pretty nice much recovery, though. It was a great recovery, and he just kept it rolling because he actually has respect for his other drivers instead of like stopping and then hitting the magic restart button when the yellow flag comes out, like everyone else. Um, that would pretty much seal it as Corey DiMatteo would win his second of the season for the Hummel Brothers car. Nice to see them doing well, especially with yes, the Raceworks absolutely. car. Absolutely. Sticking with the local theme again. Sean Miner informed us that Seekonk had one of their thrill shows, which packs the place. Those those are pretty epic, so good for them. I hope they make money on it. Remember when Thompson used to do those? They were so much fun. They filled the place when they would do that. God, those were fun. They (laughs) They were so good. The trailer race down the front stretch and back up pit road was great, too. It was always epic. And the not a sober dirt. driver in sight. Not a single one. No, they God, would try no. to drive their cars off the mountain and crash them and shit. <laughs> I, Complete I was back mayhem. Behind, we had a rain delay in the one. Of, I think it was the last one they ever had. And I was back there with John Carpenter and uh, Chris Bisson. And Bisson was pounded natty ices. <laughs> Sounds like him. Yep, Jesse's holding his up. Yeah, the track crew, they get hammered and go get in their own cars and they just trash the place because they know that they're going to be the ones cleaning it up, so they don't give a shit. So I went there. Actually, I went to the Thompson Thrill Show for my 21st birthday. That's how I spent it. I went to the Thrill Show at Thompson. Cool. It was a good time. I don't care. Oh, you should go to the bar. Why? I got plenty of time to do that. Trust me, I've lost lots of brain cells by doing that. Drink at home is cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> so Waterford ran. They had, uh, let's see, had a few divisions here. They were pretty exciting. I got to watch all those videos over at speedballhistory.com to prep for this show. I was going to do it for the live broadcast, but then I'm like, let's not do a full show. Let's have fun. So I got a little more time. So Legends Cars, I didn't do this in any particular order than how I watched it. Uh, and I, don't, I tried to do it. Excuse you. Me. So I tried to do it. In uh, what I thought would be order, but just bear with me. It's it's the results. What do you want from me? All right, so Legends Cars. Uh, Scott Limpkeman, I think, was technically on the pole, but Dylan Freeman led the field to green, <laughs> if that says anything. Um, Brody Monahan and last week's winner, Dylan Cody, moved up to podium positions quickly. Monahan would get by for the lead, but was swarmed by newcomers to the bowl. And I'm absolutely not going to say these names right. Uh, Jace Monjan, I think he was on last week, and Wade, that's not a name, Wade Omki? See if you can pronounce this name. O-E- it sounds like they threw pots and pans down a stair. Well, it sounds weirdly Polish to me. Let's see, O-E-M-C-K-E. How do you pronounce that? 
Onky. Phil? Imki. Oomki. Oomski. Imki. So Wade, um, that name has to be a typo. But top four. <laughs> they, they screwed up his birth certificate. They wrote it out wrong. Vito Andalini of Corleone. Corleone. Vito Corleone. <laughs> He's probably rushing and the mob is going to knock on your door. They need that Ellis Island stuff to come back here, man. <laughs> they really need to Americanize nah, these names. Let's be fair. Fuck that Russian mob. They can't even beat the Ukrainians. Give me a fucking break. All right, that they name- can't even outdrink Burt Kreischer. The top four would string out from the field as took the lead from Monaghan after halfway as Monaghan, hey, I can pronounce one, would challenge Monaghan for second. A crash with five to go set up a late race restart. Monaghan was strong on the restart. He would get to the inside of um, and uh, retake the lead on the last lap. Monaghan made him... You pronounce your goddamn names. Uh, made a move to the bottom, and uh, by a margin of one one thousandth of a second, it was Monahan winning at the line. Oh, another so photo he, finish! One. He made a comeback worthy of Lazarus himself to win the Legends Car race. You can pronounce that name. It's leave, biblical. Leave I can us a at voicemail and let us know how to pronounce your name. <laughs> Please, we need the audio version. Don't try to spell it out with those weird ass symbols like umlauts no and other phonetics. shit. None of that. We don't do that here. Yeah, make it. Yeah, pretend we're retarded because we are. Because <laughs> we are, yes. All right, something I can identify with: street stocks. These are kind of something you can beat your head against the wall and drive, right? So that's good. Were they the weekly street stocks or the open street stocks this week? Well, they had both. Oh boy. Yep. Nate Taylor led the field from the pole as Brian Norman started to edge out in front from the outside lane. Sean Gatekey would get chopped into turn three by Tony Macrino and turn and get spun out into the grass, taking Aaron Plemons and three others with him. Uh, no call on Macrino. Next restart, same thing, as Norman grabbed the lead from the outside. I think he was restarting on the outside as well. He was the whole night. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. He had plenty of opportunities too. Yep. A few laps later, Aaron Plemons got spun out again, uh, turned two and took a few more cars out. Well, he didn't, but, you know, he was spinning, and they tried to avoid. Uh, Lateral damage. They also were the same kind of cars who crashed the last time with him again. And the caution flew. Plemons continued. I saw the Blue 39, which appeared to be moosed out and making a return to street stock competition. I wasn't sure if they sold that car or not, but it looked like him. Uh, let's see. At this point, Brian Norman was gone. He had over a straightaway lead, and the only battle was for second between Macrino and Stone. Uh, spin between... Would tighten a field with seven to go, uh, and then the scoreboard went out, and then there was a spin on another restart, and they said it was ten to go. So I have no idea what's going on. I had to rewind the video to see <laughs> what the hell was happening. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't think they edit them this way. I think that's all in chronological order because people should, you know, they just throw it online. So I'm like, it's a one camera shoot, right? You yeah. can't really do anything to screw that up. Yeah. So it's like, I'm like, okay, so what lap is it? Uh, a spin between, it looked like Downton. It was Moose, right, in the street stock? Yeah, I was wondering what the okay. hell that was all about because he just, like, dove. He just, Because Nate Taylor got by him pretty clean, he was on the bottom there, and then Moose tried to cross him over and 
porter was well there and they ended up stuffing the back of the one car and i'm like moose what the hell did the one car do he was hugging the bottom <laughs> for a while and he tore his whole left side apart what the frig man i think he's rusty <laughs> you know he run all over porter's right front jesus man he's nothing more dangerous animal than a molt than a moose and heat or whatever <laughs> gross all right uh yeah so that would set Full up moose a moose during mating season <laughs> gross does, does that mean nate got boned I would say he did. <laughs> I'll see my way out. He got the antlers, that's for sure. Didn't. Yeah, there you go. All right, uh, Norman would again stretch his lead, and the battle remained for second place. Norman would remain untouchable and take down another street stock win. Let's go to the open street stocks where we can meet up again with Brian Norman because he led the field to green from the pole, but Ryan Lynham would take the lead by the backstretch. Stafford late model point leader Adam Gray would follow into second. His car looks pretty cool. Does it look like what does it look like? Monte Carlo. Is it the same one as his late for the Stafford one? It's a black car. Black late model it's a black Monte Carlo. It looks like an eighty eight Monte Carlo. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't watch the video, obviously. I didn't know he had one. Did, was it oh, the, they've got all sorts of cars. Was it on the video? Yeah, it was on the video. It was a black it was all black, just white ninety seven on the side. Weird. It was the Sid's view or Sid's uh Speedball history video that came out today. Yeah. Or yesterday. He's only got 278 followers on that, subscribers. Well, which it's a means, completely new channel, so everybody's got to migrate that's what over I mean, if they that, want which, to watch it. So. Which means that the word hasn't gotten out enough that it's, I'm trying. There's, there's two channels. It is well, two. We only have like 278 listeners, so we should I mean, take all the you know, credit. And Let's just yeah. kind of chill out, yeah. <laughs> I mean, hell, I wasn't even really paying attention until like a couple weeks ago myself, you know? Well, they post all the races if you can't make it to the track, which, well, let's be well, fair, go to the, the track because yeah. it's going to be winter soon and you're going to miss it. Yeah. So anyway, we'll meet back up with Brian Norman here. He led the field to green from the pole. I'll just redo it. Uh, Ryan Lynham would take the lead by the backstretch. Adam Gray would follow to second, like we mentioned. The only battle would be for third as Norman and Chad Baxter would fight it out for that position. Chris Buffone in that beautiful two-car. He would start moving forward late to overtake both of them, moving to the podium. Battle for second between Gray, Buffon, and Norman would tighten up towards the end and be the only one on track because Lynham was on his own zip code. He would cruise to an easy win in the open street stock race. You ever see that Camaro? Or that, I think that's one of those. Um, it's a Seacon car, obviously. I think Scoots owns it. Uh, I think it's actually the Charger body. Yeah. It's pretty neat looking. Yeah, Charger body. That gorgeous. thing that thing in the center of the turn is like has more velocity center over the corner than any car I've ever seen. I don't know if it's how the car sits or if it's just an optical illusion, but Jesus Christ, I saw it at Thompson and I saw it at Waterford. I'm like, that thing gets through the middle so Ryan's fast. Ryan's a monster in those cars anyway. Well, I, I yeah. would almost put him on a Monaghan level, but at I mean, you talk about Ryan Lynham. He's won in anything he's got in, so I mean, it's, yeah. you know... But he's like, yeah, he's like the Seaconk equivalent. You put him in a pro stock, he can win in a pro stock. Late model, he can win in a late model. Street stock, don't matter. I don't care. I'll win in it. You know? Yep. So. I want to see him in a modified. This is modified country, but he's not a. That'd be fun. <laughs> Seaconk hasn't gotten on the modified bandwagon yet. I bet you if they got rid of pro stocks for modifieds, what do you think their car counts would be? Zero. Probably. It's their own little click over there. Yeah. All right. They're fender track. I think they ran weekly modifieds at one point, but it's been decades. Probably, yeah. They've done their own thing, and, and it's done well by them. So. They're kind yeah. of a Stafford type of deal. They sit on their own island, they do their own thing, and they stubbornly stick by it, and it usually works out for them. So it's like, okay, yeah. leave it as, at that. As anemic as the pro stock uh, 
car counts have been there this year. I bet you in about five years, they'll have 25 or 30 of them again. It's all in how the economy works, really, because mm-hmm. that's it's kind of ebbs and flows. Like, I remember 08 through, oh, like, let's see, 13, 12. It was really anemic everywhere. You're talking about 10 cars in every division for a little while because of the financial issues with the world. Nobody had a house. Yeah, people didn't have shit. So it's like, well, you know, when the, when shit tanks, racing kind of goes down. But then when it's good, it comes back up. So let's move on to the SK Lights at, at the Speed Bowl. Nick Hovey led the field from the pole. Looks like he kind of spun his tires, probably had old stuff on. Can't get tires anyway. Uh on the start, that stacked up the top two spots and allowed Evan Burgoyes a lane on the bottom to make it three wide for the lead, which Phil loves. So he would have been 20% at fault if anything happened. Um, <laughs> Burgoyes would take the top spot, start stretching his lead out as the remainder of the pack would battle. Uh, Sammy Anderson got turned sideways so badly that they threw the yellow, but she actually kept rolling and never actually spun out. Um, I don't think. Uh, let's see here. Oops, this just moved on me. That's bad. All right, so the field would begin to string back out as they restarted and battles for position became scattered all over the track. Nine to go, a spin would bring the yellow back out, bunch the field up again. Battle for second was intense between at least five cars. Spin with four to go by Johnny O'Sullivan. He got, that, he got run over. Yeah, he got run over. We interviewed him, so go check out our bonus episode. The orange crush got him. Yep. That's what he he just mentioned. An orange, very bright orange car got him. Uh, let's see. Oh, I put that in my notes. I said I couldn't really tell based on the camera angle. I wasn't there if there was contact to initiate it, but I'm just going to go with Johnny's word here. And the fact that the officials put Abley Jr. to the back uh, for contact. Restart saw a hard racing between Evan Bergways and Zach Sangermano. And that would end a lap later when Sangermano and Paul Newcomb Jr. would make contact into turn one, and that ended with Sangermano nose first into the turn one wall. Uh, I saw no call on Newcomb. Burgoyes would get away, and Newcomb... That was a hard hit, too. You see him just nose the thing in after it whipped. It it was sliding left, whipped back right. It was like... uh, What's-his-face is wreck at Stafford, but he didn't plant the thing left side in. He just went straight in, just nosed it in. Yeah. I was waiting for Phil to say something there. <laughs> anyway. Stab the gas and point for the grass. It's your best bet sometimes. But uh, Burgoyne would get away. A newcomer to the Speed Bowl, Jeff Nooney, would move from the back to P2. And that's how it finished with Evan Burgoyne winning his second race of the year. I think Nooney, what did he do? He was uh, running around here. I think he went to New Hampshire and started running up there. He's He's dabbled in a little bit of everything. He's a... Just underfunded, but he's a pretty good driver. He's always clean, doesn't really seem to tear up a lot of stuff, so it's good to see him have a good run. Yeah, he's been picking it up. I know he's been running a lot in New Hampshire and getting a lot of seat time. So I saw him up there at, uh, I think, Menadnock, and he was doing pretty well. Uh, Let's see. Late models. Decent feel to late models. Looked uh, like they had a lot more cars there than they normally do. I bet you it was pushing 20. Um, I didn't look at the race. I got to make it a habit of like looking at race monitor just so I can actually, cause if you don't click on it, you can't get the results, but if you do, you can go back through and check the results from earlier. So I should start doing that. But, uh, had Mike Benavides lead them to the green from the pole side by side racing was the norm early with a majority of the field dicing for positions all over the racetrack. 
It was mostly two by two all the way back. Doug Curry was strong, was able to take the lead from the outside on uh, Benavides there. Ray Christian III made some very aggressive moves to carve his way forward early. He was making no. like he was making like three wide moves and diving all over the place. But that's not like Ray at all. No, nah, not really. No. Um, but he made it work, didn't he? <laughs> well, it's different than iRacing racing because here he actually makes it work. But on yeah. iRacing, racing, he wrecks us all. So um, <laughs> hack. Well, at least you call them that and not whatever. No, forget it. We won't. We'll leave that off here. So. <laughs> he was able. Uh, let's see. After a few side by side laps, Christian was able to wrestle the top spot away from Curry, and the two would basically run from the rest of the field. By the way, I need to mention Glenn Thomas Jr. here. Glenn with one N. Uh, guy showed up for a rare start. He's only made a few starts in the late models this year and in the last few years, honestly. Mm-hmm. I watched him come from the back of the field. The field was strung out, and he just kept passing cars. He got by Jason Palmer, ran down Andrew Moeller. Then a yellow flew with 10 to go. And he had lighted wheels. Yeah, I saw that. I'm like, isn't that shit illegal? Nah, <laughs> fuck you. I like it. Let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. As long as it doesn't bother, you know, as Who long cares? as it's okay, I don't care. It looks cool. Racing is supposed to be fun. It looks awesome. Whatever. I don't care. It's... It was kind of neat to see something different, whatever. It was fun. Yeah. Leave the guy That's... alone. I did. No, not you. <laughs> not you. Every, everybody, <laughs> who's, like everybody who's mad at it, they should just leave him alone. Okay. Jordan Hadley and his Larry Barnett tribute paint scheme. Yeah, what was up with that? He looked like, because it's like, well, that's weird because, you know, ever since Dale Holdridge passed that down to Larry Barnett, that's kind of a trademark thing. So I'm like, yeah. well. Larry ran that at Waterford in the late 80s, probably. Yeah, you know, and I was like, well, I thought it was a nice gesture, you know, paying a tribute to a legend, you know. The man is a legend. You, you know, should pay so. tribute to him. You did one at one point. You put a yellow and red stripe on your front no, bumper. Yeah, of course it did. It's a tribute to Larry. I love Was that it. from driving into him? or? No, no, no. It's The man's a legend. We have to pay tribute to him somehow. You know, so you know, I thought it was a nice gesture anyway. You know, it was. Larry's, Larry's I, put, awesome. I put a yellow and red stripe on my front bumper while we were racing one night. Well, that's because you reminds me about it. <laughs> that's because you're mean. Um, I didn't mean to. <laughs> you never mean to. Especially when it comes to running women over. Um, let's go to... <laughs> but Hadley would uh, challenge Doug Curry for second. Another spin with six to go would tighten up the field again. Two more spins would negate both restarts. So they had a tough time getting it going again. Next restart, there was contact between Hadley and Curry. And that brought Thomas back into the fray. Uh, but contact between Curry and Hadley sent Hadley spinning in turn two... And a bunch of cars spun out as a result, and the caution would fly again. More on that later. Okay. <laughs> Thomas would be... just That's Jesse's territory. <laughs> Thomas would be the only one to pressure Christian all day, but it would not be enough because he got there a little late, and Ray Christian III would win and extend his point lead. So, yeah, there was... Uh, I saw a little bit of a cell phone video of uh, Douglas in yeah. incredibly yeah. angry. Yeah, he was pretty mad. They were pitted right next to Jordan Hadley, and he he went out there Ooh. and uh, and uh, apparently Doug went into the Jordan Hadley's pit, which automatically makes you wrong. You're not you new. Know? You're so, not. So uh, uh, you know, nope. I love Doug, but uh, you, you you not you shouldn't do that, especially yeah when people are looking at you, you know. So yeah, it, it, so and then it was just a bunch of drama back and forth between you know the family members and stuff. Yeah. Even so. extended families and stuff. There was Facebook drama. There was all I mean, sorts of stuff. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know why he even went up back there. 
I don't I don't get it because I mean went over to the pit because you, you already did friggin- he did he hit him after the caution or something or after the race was I over? I don't know if it's something I don't brewing. know either. So- I, I don't know if there's anything brewing or anything, but I thought you know it, that all right so so okay so he ran you up into the wall whatever sparks flew and you paid him back already right then and there afterward okay whatever and uh, the you end. Know, that okay, thing kind of happens on. you know but uh, after that. Uh, it's a little bit tough. I mean, Doug, dude, uh, you, you're getting uh, <laughs> he's, he's getting he's getting a little grumpy in his old age. You know, Jesus Christ. I, I mean, mean, I mean, dude, he he better calm down before he has a friggin' heart attack. You ought to know by now. <laughs> They'll fall into that trap because officials will slap you and find you and stare and take all your money. But that's just a waste of time. That's what it's all about. Mama, if that's moving up, then I'm moving out, motherfucker. (laughs) That's what this show is needing. We were missing karaoke night. (laughs) Oh, boy. And have, if we're ever going to have a participant, dude. it's going to be Jesse, because he will do it. He doesn't give a shit. I don't know you guys anymore. <laughs> dude, calm down. You're going to have on. a heart attack, man. <laughs> no, it's a heart attack. You ought to know by now you don't do that stuff. So. Yeah, that's bad. Anyway, that's <laughs> funny. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's just calm down. And remember, racing is supposed to be fun. And supposed it, to be. Yeah, well, um, a friend of mine gave me great advice one day, and he says, be the change you want to see in this world. And I said, okay. So take that What if heart. I want the world to burn? Then <laughs> fucking burn it. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Be the change you want to see in this world. Okay. If you want it to burn, then burn it. Okay. I didn't, he didn't stipulate. All right. Um, Better keep the rules right. The Yardia, that was the rules. That's okay. What else crashed at Waterford? I mean, raced at Waterford this weekend. SK's kind of raced there. Uh, (laughs) Rob Janovic Jr. led the. They kind of raced. It was more of a car show. Uh, Rob Janovic Jr. led the field from the pole, but immediately Billy Anderson would spin in turn one grass and negate that. Uh, Scheduled tweet. Next. (laughs) Next try. Anthony Flannery would get by him and bring Eric Burnt with him. Burnt immediately taking the top spot away after that. So race over, right? Because this guy's won everything this year. Uh, no, as the race wore on, Burnt's car would start to lose pace, and Flannery's didn't, and he was able to get back by. Contact with Burnt's left side sent Corey DiMatteo spinning, and the caution didn't fly. Uh, that was off turn two. Todd Owen would now challenge Burnt for second. Stephen Kopsick was actually in uh, the backup number 11 for Eric Burnt team, and he would battle Mike Christopher Jr. for the top five when a yellow flew for Janovic spinning in, into the, or a, I don't know what he did, but he got into the turn three wall with only six laps to go. Team Chassis Pro would again go 1-2, and the top five would go unchanged to the end, and this time Anthony Flannery would not give the race away, and he would win his first career SK feature. By the way, shout out again to our boy Adam Gaeta on yet another sixth place run with, this time, with bent suspension parts up front. I think he said he bent the lower or something. So those guys have had some speed. but Starting uh, to get it figured out. Yeah, he's starting to get it. I mean, you remember the kid would get lapped 
Well, now he's you know racing against guys who have won races. So it's it's a big leap forward for little guys. You know what I on, mean? On a fraction of the budget. Oh, absolutely. Uh, let's see here. I'm waiting on Jesse to come up with this one. This will be fun. All right, so why don't we go into, because this is like some national stuff, right? Uh, oh, we should mention that Justin Bontenor won at, uh, what the hell is it? Oswego. Yeah, it was the Budweiser Classic, the big super modified race that they have up there every year. Yeah. I was trying to watch it. We ran out of time, uh, but I love super modifieds. We turned it off right after the guy flipped over on the backstretch. It was really early in the race, and I'm like, oh, this is ugly. Then the Arca race came on from DuCoin. It had rained out, and I was watching that because if NASCAR wants to do dirt racing right, Arca's been doing it all along. You don't race on these small tracks. You don't race on a half mile. You don't race on whatever the hell they've been trying to run on. What is um, Tony Stewart's track, Eldora, there? What is that, half mile? Three eighths, I three, think. Maybe. Three, um, no. I thought it was at least a half mile because it's got big corners. Three quarter of a mile. We'll have to look it up on iRacing or something. But um, yeah, they did that track and they did Bristol. And they need to go to these tracks Springfield Mile, DuCoin. They need to go to the mile dirt tracks because, I mean, if they just prepped the track for Arca a little bit better so it wasn't so bumpy, like they took some time during the breaks to go and grade the thing. Uh, it would have been amazing because we were watching that, and I think it got shortened for rain. Uh, I got the winner here is uh, Ryan. Eldora is a half mile, by the way. Okay, yeah. Ryan Unziger won that Arca race today in a rain shortened event. Uh, he won for car owner. Oh, Jesus, I can't remember his name now, but it was a twenty four car, and the guy was a car owner for freaking. Oh, Billy Hendren, that's his name. Billy Hendren, he was like a he was a car owner for like forty something years, like maybe even forty eight years, and this was his last race as a car owner, and he's liquidating all of his race cars, and he's retiring, and like even if it goes to like auction or whatever, however the hell it sells, Billy's getting out, and uh, Ryan Unziger won his last race to see Billy Hendren out. That's really really cool, and he did it at the Ducoin State Fair, at the uh, or the whatever it is. The mile-long track at Duke, whatever. But yeah, NASCAR, you want to do dirt racing right? Go to these mile dirt tracks. They are pretty freaking cool to watch. I know Roger Roger Carruth had a bad day, broke a motor. I think he said it was so rutted and so poor, the the track conditions were so awful, that he actually bottomed the car out and it ripped the radiator out of the car and he blew it. Yeah, he hit a rut. Yeah, Yeah, he hit a rut and blew a radiator out. That shouldn't happen. Yeah, that sucks. No. But that's really cool to see Billy Hendren go out in style I like these little guys. You know, they contribute so much to the sport in their own way. Hey, who doesn't like a good storybook ending, right? Yeah, it was awesome. And it's not like they did it on purpose because Mother you know, Mother Nature took care of that one. So, um, But that's really cool. Give the man a trophy so he can retire on the high horse. So cool for Billy Hendren. And I, like I said, I know Justin Bonsignor won at uh, Oswego. Uh, I, You know what? I got to make a trip to the Steel Palace. Oswego is road trip. Really freaking cool. Road and trip. I've never been there. I always wanted to be there. Super That's cool. Those super modifieds and the tour modifieds, they race really they're really good at Oswego and they got covered grandstands at Oswego so that's Hell, they even cool. had street stocks there they had New York super stocks there New York super stocks are cool those as hell they're pretty sweet man they're like mass street stocks but they're a little more power i think something like that yeah they're pretty neat but uh anyway we're going to move on to my favorite cup series track 
Darlington. And yes. uh, they ran Xfinity and Cup this weekend. We and only need to talk about the last three laps of the Xfinity race. Well, we do only need to talk <laughs> about the last three laps, except uh, did you guys see friggin' Anthony Alfredo smash into John Hunter Nemechek on their caution? <laughs> <laughs> Crashed pasta? Uh, did you see that shit? That pasta came out al dente because it cracked and split open, man. Yeah, that was that was an iRacing mistake there. Dude. I'm I'm sorry, but everyone wants to rank on friggin' Montoya for slamming into the jet truck into the jet truck, you know, even though the jet even though he broke. Yeah, he the he, damn thing broke. This kid didn't break. He just went in there too fast and just Literally slammed didn't into break. him. And yeah, I do. I did hear that there was an excuse for him though. Oh, what is it? Apparently, he was being sick at the time, like on himself. Oh, he's throwing up. Yes. Oh uh, well, I think if you were gonna throw up, you'd want to slow down a little bit. I I don't want to. I would be slowing down and moving the hell out of the racing line if I was doing oh, that. Fuck, would you? Why would you <laughs> want to go 140 miles an hour blindly, going throwing up? Likely story. Noah Gregson got sick after uh, uh, winning a a stage at one point, and he didn't hit the pace car. Yeah, yeah. Usually, you just unzip your suit and puke down your suit so it doesn't bake to the floor. I don't know. I never got sick. Uh, that's what I was told. By I always got sick before the races start. I never get sick during well, the race. Guys back in the day, they had to um, figure it out because you know guys were tougher back in the day, like seventies, eighties, nineties. Well, and yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, guys like Kyle Petty, they said they race with the flu and they would get sick, and it's like they figured out because they would race sick or race hurt or race you know anything at all times. They had to figure out how to puke in the car. And Kyle Petty said, yeah, what you do is you don't just turn your head and puke because they had open face helmets. It was real easy for them to do. What you do is because when it lands, the floor is so hot that it bakes to the floor and you can't scrape it off. So what you do is, he said, to, to make it good on the guys in the fab shop, you unzip your suit open it up with one arm and hork in your suit and then zip it back up. And then when you get out of the car... Just well, tell them if it, just if radio. It burns, if it burns on the floorboard, it's going to smell terrible. Yep. And then it's just going to make you throw up more. Right. He said puke in your suit and then when you when you come off the track, you radio into your crew, say, "All right, get the garden hose ready behind the wall cuz they all have access to water." And they he just says he gets out of the car and he says, "Just hit me with the hose." And they just hose him down. Fire suit and all, he opens his suit up. They just hose him out, basically. And that's the best way to do it because it won't bake in the car. So now that you know how to vomit in a race car. Yeah, next awesome. subject, please. <laughs> All right, three to we go. We can pass that on to Anthony Alfredo because he ran over him on yellow. Uh, by the way, I'll, I'll just skip over. I'll do my synopsis. Ready? On-track product was excellent. Racing was great. The normal wads wrecked. The normal nons. Uh, like Riley Herbst, Myatt Snyder, Brandon Jones. Joe Graff Jr. You know, all those guys. Anthony Alfredo. Uh, all the nons, but Darlington typically does that. They filter out the nons, um, or she, I should say. They throw yeah, It a... actually takes talent to drive that track. Correct. Uh, they threw a caution for rain in the area, but not quite on the racetrack, which I'm okay with. You know, that's pretty much what we asked for with the thing that happened at Daytona, and that's what they did. And, and then it did monsoon. And then it did, And they yeah. had like three hours. Yeah, it was a huge delay. Uh, J.J. Yaley blew up and caught fire at some point. Uh, that wasn't the end of fires. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. He did burn like John Force in 1990. That thing was <laughs> that thing was on 
fire bad too. <laughs> that thing was the supercharger. Yeah. Let uh, go in the lights. Why don't we get into the end of this thing because it was wild. Sheldon Creed was leading the thing. Uh, best race of the, of the year. Best race I've ever seen. One of the best races ever. <laughs> Uh, Kyle Larson and Sheldon Creed were just battling for the win. Creed led at the white flag. Larson had a run to the inside. Creed drove him down the racetrack. Larson tried to stay off him, but, I mean, he got under that banking portion in turn one where the car just de-wedges. Mm-hmm. And uh, he made contact with Creed, sent Creed into the wall. They both made you know more significant side contact. I think Creed managed to retain the lead, but Gregson had a head of steam, got to the bottom of everybody, and kind of was ahead going into three. And then he wasn't because Creed lost the tire, and he just said, to hell with it. He was in the wall and still at full throttle, comes firing on back by Noah Gregson, running along along the wall. Gregson gets shocked. He bounces it off the wall. He's like, what the hell? There's parts and pieces and dust and shit and arms and legs flying all over the fucking place. It works in iRacing. Yeah, it almost worked out for Sheldon Creed because Gregson, while not in the wall, managed to cut underneath Creed as he was running the wall with broken parts and shit flying off his car and managed to get by and win the race. Creed finished second. The car was just starting to chunk apart. Shedding parts and pieces all the way to the line. So, I mean, yeah, it, it works in iRacing. I swear to and God. even he said, hey, it works in Xbox. Yeah. yeah. I said, I swear to God, I was watching. I had to double take the thing because I thought I was watching the end of Talladega Nights or something stupid. I'm like, what is this Michael Bay written film? Like, <laughs> there's, you know, pyrotechnics and explosions awesome. and sparks and smoke. And, and it wasn't even just that. Just that. I mean, Sheldon Creed had an inferior car. Mm-hmm. He's a rookie, and he's trying to hold off Kyle Larson, who had a, a better car, and he's the best driver in the world, whatever. And he's trying to make it into the playoffs. These two guys are start going side by side at the knife's edge it of is... limit and grip and whatever. Yeah, and Jesse nailed going- it. That is knife's edge. At Darlington, running side by side is almost impossible. You have to be digging so hard. And and for them not even to crash each other and to get around that track and, and be side by side as well as they did. It's a very narrow racetrack, obviously. But that is just an incredible kind of a skill. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see like Formula One drivers or IndyCar drivers or sports car drivers ever able to do that. Because that is such a, a, a high level of skill and discipline that's foreign to them. Mm-hmm. That's foreign to them. Because those guys, the Formula 1, the IndyCar, like like road course guys. All the, the wine road and cheesers. You see, well, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because they're, they're the wine let's and cheesers. But, on. Yeah, but let's, NASCAR let's makes just, the most money. Let's keep going. But, uh, yeah. the uh, Actually, Formula 1 makes the most. but Well, yeah. Not much. The road course guys, I I equivalent those guys to, uh, I make them equal to slalom guys like skiing slalom, yeah, or or moguls or whatever. Dude. Apex, 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 and quick rhythm. Yeah, it's, you got to be super regimented, and you're yeah. All that see, stuff. whereas old track guys and got and you know. Well, stock car drivers in general, but especially oval track guys, we're more of a super G type in skiing. I would say downhill, downhill, fast well, as possible. Well, downhill, super G, because they have this. Their corner starts from over yonder, and it ends over yonder. Yeah, which is a long time to be in the corner. So to be on the knife says a for, lot of yonder. Yeah, to be yonder and not eat yourself into the wall when you're on the knife <laughs> ed, knife's edge, and not throw a, a yeetle. <laughs> not <laughs> causing yellow. 
Yeah, not cause a yellow or whatever. And that just takes a totally different set of discipline that's, uh, as far as I'm concerned, world elite. It takes a lot to really dance those cars through that corner. And it that was a world a elite race racetrack. just for that. Just for that. Speaking of which, uh, as I want to add this little nugget into our, and we're not even done talking about the race yet, uh, because I got to talk about NASCAR, or uh, not NASCAR, but I got to talk about NBC for a minute. But I'm going to get to this first because it pertains to the Southern 500. Today, as we record, is September 5th. Now, NASCAR man put out a tweet, our favorite historian in NASCAR. September 5th, 1983, Jesse might find this interesting, during a pit stop in the Southern 500, Bobby Allison's crew chief, Gary Nelson, cut a 10-inch hole in his roof to improve airflow into the cockpit on an incredibly hot day. Allison won, but was fined $500 for the sunroof. (laughs) It was, by the way, 104 degrees. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they cut a 10-inch hole in the damn roof, and he won. But he was nice and cool, though. <laughs> See, well, that's Gary Nelson. You got to have, you know, and he ended up being NASCAR's top cop for yes, a long time because he was a cheating son of a bitch. And he knew how to do now it. Now he so. cruises around the country on his Harley. Which is just what you want to do when you're retired. Yes. Do what you want. Enjoy your life. It says he took an air chisel to his sheet metal. <laughs> gross i want video yeah uh anyway uh yeah so noah gregson won that wall or won that wall won that race and he said uh creeks as you know creed was bouncing off the wall um i noticed that and i did (laughs) i put this tweet out there because he looked like shit getting out of that car which let's be honest noah gregson tends to blow chunks which is the second time we're talking about that Uh, I wrote this tweet because I think everybody else noticed it. Uh, is it me or was it an incredibly awkward amount of time that NBC left the camera on Noah Gregson just to see if he blew chunks? Can we let the guy collect himself for a minute? Like seriously, like damn, we gotta, gotta get uh, those clicks. You gotta, you can, you can be interviewing other people. Like Parker Kligerman, bless him, he was just like. He was well, like backing. He was like backing away. Like, hey, maybe we should, you know, let this guy. Like, he's not the director, but he's like, can we not do this? Well, it's his time. They don't know what to do because it's not part of the script. Because usually they just the winner blows donuts, he hugs and high fives the crew, and then, blows chunks, and then he says stuff, and so they're just waiting. They're, they're waiting to see if he's going to say something or puke up something. It takes five seconds so. for the director to say, "Okay, we'll go to this guy instead." Well, just push a well, button. Yeah, but he may have to go back when he's ready to interview him, you know? So, I don't know. They were standing there waiting. So, I, I they went know. live on their interviews. So. That was an awesome freaking race. It was such a good race. And uh, Noah needs to up his uh, workout regimen and wear a damn undershirt. You're not Tim Richmond. Shut up. Go get AIDS. I think, I think they're actually mandated by NASCAR. To... <laughs> Harsh. Anybody else <laughs> catch that one? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, Phil. Be more funny. I think we lost Phil. I think we lost everybody. Ooh, you suck. Did we just lose everybody, Jess? Oh no, <laughs> we lost Phil. We didn't lose Phil. We lost the whole thing. No, Phil says his power went out because Sid's still moving. Are we recording, Jess? 
Yeah, we're recording. Okay, Phil's good. Thank. Okay, all the listeners are very concerned. So, I right, we lost yeah. Phil. Sid, we lost Phil. His power went out. <laughs> that sucks. Oh no. Yeah, uh, just dropped out. <laughs> well, everybody, pour one out for Phil. Uh, Florida just got him. Uh, so, oh well. <laughs> Which I actually kind of expected us to have the power outage here because. Um, we got like five or six inches of rain in one day. So that means a hurricane hit him and Phil's dead now. He said a Florida cane got him. Well, if it, well, that's terrible. Anyway, on that note, if you'd like to be a, <laughs> if you'd like to be a contributor to, uh, and a third mic on the Making Laps podcast, please send Brent a letter to uh, Sorry Phil, you're dead at Making Laps Podcast at Gmail dot com, or you could even audition via voicemail at over at Anchor FM slash Making Laps. And then you can fill in for Phil when uh, he's not in an alligator stomach. Right. <laughs> this show just shortened up by quite a bit. <laughs> oh, well. It's only going to be two hours this week, folks. Hey, give us some credit. If we hit two hours this week, that's going to be pretty damn good, especially for doing an hour and a half of BSing yesterday. So, where's his generator? He doesn't have one. Oh, Jesus Christ. You're you live 40. in Florida and you don't have a generator. At least I don't get it. If your house, if your power goes out, your house like rots from the inside out from mold because of how humid it is. I don't know why you wouldn't have that. So anyway, we can go into the cup series race. What do you think? You want to do cup? Just get it over with. <laughs> get it over with. Yeah, let's get the uh, cup race. All right. So we're not going to do the whole thing here, obviously. Um, Eric Jones, non-playoff racer, he won the first race for the newly formed Petty GMS Partnership, and it was exactly 55 years to the day since the last time the famed 43 car went to victory lane there. Um, I was trying to think. I believe it was also the same date as the first Southern 500 in 1950. Yeah. I believe that, that was another coincidence. And I got this interesting little tidbit for you. Also, he was the first, it said, since a playoff-style format started in, like, 2004, he was the first non-playoff driver to win the first playoff race ever. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense because they've only had... Right, usually somebody in the playoffs wins it because yeah, there's 12 guys. And every races. one of all of them have won races that year, so usually they're pretty fast. But we don't have usually many seasons where there's 17 different winners. Yeah, that's that was the thing. This was the 17th different winner this year. And it's crazy. So, um, hang on a second. A week late, to, a little bit late, kid. Missed it by a week. <laughs> you know. Okay, Race Day oh. CT comes out with another thing that says NASCAR must be thrilled that drivers have waited to the week of the start of the Cup Series playoffs to start publicly questioning the safety and reliability of the new car. Hey, uh, Newsflash, uh, they've been doing that all year, if you've been paying attention. Actually, that's been a question all year. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Bell Hell was asked that question last week uh, by the NASCAR Beat Media, and he said that there was a thing that had to be addressed, so it's at least one week before that. Yeah, guys have been and complaining about how hard the hits are all season. It's been that way for all year. Yeah, pretty much all year. It's been no. It's not been a secret like at all. Correct. So, just figured we'd throw that out there because I keep, tri you know, I keep tripping over these on Twitter now. All right. So, also, I got a little more trivia for you, Jess. All right. 
it was also the 200th win for the number, number 43. 43. Because remember, Richard Petty didn't win all his races with the number 43. No. He won 192 with the number 43. His father, Lee Petty, won a single race with that number. What is the winningest number in NASCAR history? 11. That didn't take long. <laughs> it is, in fact, number 11. By my count, which I had to do a little bit of math because the, the article I read was from a specific date in 2020. So I had to go through the results and see how many races Denny Hamlin won that year and then, then the year after that and then the year after that, like this year. By my count, that number is 228. Yeah, that's the... Yeah. it's If you believe in numerology... Mm-hmm. You got to go with number 11. I mean, well, it worked for Kane Cassidy. Yeah. It also so. worked for the amount of, the, listen to the amount of Hall of Famers that have raced this number. Cale Yarbrough, Ned Jarrett, hang on, my notes just moved on me, Junior Johnson, Daryl Waltrip, Bill Elliott, Terry Labonte, Bobby Allison, and Buddy Baker. Right. And probably Denny Hamlin, because he'll probably make it in somehow. Oh, not somehow. Yeah. He's definitely... For the amount of races he's won, I think he's qualified for it. Especially three Daytona 500s. Come on. Yeah. Oh, Producer Junior has done that. He's just pooped. Good. Uh, Okay, so any... (laughs) He's got a broken arm. He can't help it. He can't help it. Okay, so anyway, points contenders had big problems all day with uh, Chase Elliott crashing out. Uh, I don't know what happened there. Did he, bl- he lost a tire or something, and he spun sideways in front of, I forget who the hell it was. <laughs> I don't really, I wasn't paying attention. And then he came back up the racetrack and caught him. Yeah, I missed just, that part, but yeah, yeah. It was like Chris Busher or somebody. I don't remember exactly who it was. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Kyle Busch was dominating until, what, thirty less than 30 to go, and his engine expires under caution. Right. Like, come on, you know. The <laughs> I think Martin Truex Jr. or Farton Truex, I should say. <laughs> he uh, he had funny it. every time. He had uh, some kind of mechanical problem, and I'm like, the Toyotas are super fast, but they're braking. So what's going on? You know. Yeah. Well, JJ uh, uh, Ellie blew up in the in the Xfinity race. That was a Toyota. That was a Toyota. Wasn't fast, but it blew up. (laughs) He was running for a little bit there, tire strategy or whatever. But he's not a good pavement racer. No, he's more of a midget guy. He's a he's a dirt racer, more or less. Yeah, I think he was pretty good in Silver Crown, wasn't he? Too, but well, he was a Triple Crown winner. Oh, he won the Triple Crown. Yeah, he's Triple Crown. Well, so that'll explain it for you. He's a dirt legend. Yeah. So I know the race came down to the end. It was uh, Eric Jones and Denny Hamlin. Looked like at the end, Denny he had a chance to at least send it into turn three, and it almost looked like he backed out of it so he wouldn't make contact with Jones and try to poke him out of it the way. It looked like he tried to make it a show. He, ch- he, lo- he wasn't going to get there. He did the right thing, because if you poke Eric Jones there, what's going to happen? He's going to touch the wall, and he's still going to be there. He's, now he's going to get you. So it's like, and you could go in the wall with well, him. Well, Dan- so. Danny's got bad enough booze as it is. He did the right thing. You yeah, know? he's, yeah. He gets I mean, booed enough, but, uh, you know. Yeah, he's, he, he, he's a wheel man, and I had him pretty much pegged to win the race too. Because I'm like, I need a wheel man to win this race, you know. Definitely. Darlington, you know, you need somebody that could drive. But uh, yeah, Eric Jones, 
Yeah, well, that's great for them and the pay team. They've been running up front all year. He's so had really speed. Good. He has had speed. He's had speed. He's finally got over the hump a little bit. It, that's all they really needed. He's kind of like in Bubba Wallace territory. Have speed but not able to finish. But this time they've they've been working on it. Obviously, he's won two races before. This is his third cup win. It's actually his second Southern 500 win. It's almost like it, it, but with this victory, it almost seems like it's the first one all over again because it he's is. with a new team and he doesn't have that many wins. So it seems like it's, you know, it's it's like a first time winner thing again. So maybe, well, momentum is a tricky thing. It is, but you know what? It's too bad you know? they didn't get this one a week ago. But you know what? That's fine. This is this upward momentum for them. They said a lot of guys on that team probably haven't ever won a race before. So, I mean, you bring an organizational win and you bring the Gallaghers with GMS into the Cup Series and you give them some success. And now it's really going to show a lot of people that an investment in the Cup Series could equal success. I mean, you look at how many new teams have won this year. You got Trackhouse, you got 2311, you got uh, the GMS partnership with Petty. Those are new people, you know? Some may not technically be new people because they're all offshoots of Ganassi racing with Trackhouse, but... That's a technically a new team. Not to mention Colleg. If he didn't win, he was close to winning. I think he won. He won last year, but he won he, last year. I don't think. Oh, he did he win gonna, with AJ? No, he, he didn't win. He with was going to win with AJ until Rosh Chastain punted him for the first win. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. He was. <laughs> he was so in yeah. Line even to win it. even Colleg has had some success, even though they won in the previous car. Yeah. So I mean, they're seeing success in the upper echelons of NASCAR. Everybody's seeing success. At, <laughs> really. Did the IndyCar race anywhere? I've yeah, had... Portland. They raced at Portland. It was mostly uneventful. Uh, Scotty McLaughlin ran away with it. Really? He, he led like 104 out of 100. And... They had that many laps at Portland? Oh, yeah, yeah, they did. That's a lot of laps. Yeah, they did. It, it was a lot. He led He led stupid amount. <laughs> Just he led 104 of 110 laps. Christ, that's dominating. Yeah, 23 to go, though. Renes VK is a piece of garbage, and he just self-cleared his <laughs> left rear. He went by Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson didn't even fight him, and then Renes just took his right, his left rear and shoved it into Jimmy Johnson's right front and stuffed him in the wall for no reason. Uh, is he still being sued? Uh, or is that somebody else? Polo. Polo's oh, being Alex sued, Pelot's and that's still going sued. on. Both. Yeah, lawsuits are something that don't happen quickly. So. so they got one race left at Laguna Seca there. Uh, What's the point situation Monterey. look like? So Will Powers got twenty points above New Garden, oh, uh, Dixon and Dixon because I think Dixon. they tied. And uh, Marcus Erickson is within a race, and so is Sky McLaughlin. He had to win. Uh, Potato Award had to win, or else he wasn't gonna make anything. He put a good fight for it, but now, nah. nah, title's done. So he actually so had to. Pillow get... was a reigning champion, right? Uh, yes, yeah, Pillow's out. Okay, so he it's basically. It's basically Will Powers to lose at this point if you're up 20. What do they get to win? 51. 50 points. Is it 50? Yeah, it's a around lot of people points. go to that format. So It's 50 points. Uh, it's still well within reach. Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah. Time but, and laps led. But. Yeah, they have bonus points and stuff too. So, yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting, especially if uh, Will has any sort of problems. And again, they're going to be at what? Laguna Seca to end the season? Yeah. That's cool. I love Laguna Seca. Yeah. That's such be. a cool place. Yeah. The corkscrew. Indy cars and the corkscrew, they're so stiff, they just three-wheel through it and slam the ground. <laughs> yeah. But it's great because IndyCar kind of belongs there, and, and 
you know, I've seen a lot of good stuff from that place. Yeah, so. and sports cars. So let's see. There's been I heard I heard there was a rumor today that uh, Richard Shields uh, put together a contract proposal for Kyle Busch. I mean, who hasn't? Let's be fair. Yeah, but everybody's to, you know, really kind of leaning on the whole Richard Childress thing. What's he gonna do? I honestly don't what's he know. gonna do? Is he gonna buy another charter for him? I at, mean, what is that? Million? Is that why he got rid of Tyler Reddick? Was for he's still got to do Tyler Reddick next year, or or he fires him and has to pay him out, mm-hmm. which is stupid, right? And you're gonna or you're, the other scenario is you're gonna buy another charter at twenty million to put Kyle Busch in. No, sir. I mean, this you don't have that money. This guy got rid of the hottest young prospect on accident. You know what I mean? Yeah. In in Tyler Reddick, you think he's really got the money to go after Kyle Busch? Yeah. You think he's actually got that? And then he's got to orchestrate all of the different backroom deals with Chevrolet and having to switch a truck team over because the truck team's not going to work with Toyota because Toyota's not going to want people with Chevy and Chevy's not going to want him to race with have his team with Toyota. And there's a huge giant black you know curtain behind him that's hiding everything, and you just like. There's so many inner workings here. It's like timeout, you know? <laughs> timeout, tinfoil hat time. Oh, shit. All right. Here we go. Okay. Listen to this. Lay it on me. I'm all about the all conspiracy right, here we go. theories. In July, in IndyCar, mm-hmm. Joseph Newgarden crashed the shit out of his car in Iowa. Yes. Hit the gearbox first, mostly. Tough, yeah, a little tough hit. You know, uh, walked away, okay, but... Wasn't good enough because by the time he calmed down, he passed out as holler and landed I, on his head. I thought that he had, I thought that it was the second part of a double header and he passed out because of exhaustion or like dehydration or something. Well, he hit the wall hard and he had plenty of time. He didn't go every lap like everybody else did. Mm. And uh, he went pretty far though. And yeah, he won the race before, but he landed on his head. Yeah, you don't want to do that. And he. Actually had to be airlifted to the hospital. Airlifted. Yep. Airlifted. Yep, I agree. All right. That's serious. Yeah, that is pretty bad. I'm not a doctor or nothing. Airlift is bad. Somebody airlifted is bad. Somebody at Wiscasset this weekend, I believe, got airlifted. Yeah, they had burns. Jesus Christ. It was pretty bad, I heard. I haven't heard anything from that person afterwards. So, yeah, I hope he's all right. Yeah, I do too. So, two days, cleared him. Mm -hmm. All right. Qualified fifth at Indy Road Course next week. Yep. He was fine. Finished fifth. He's had five wins. Yep. He's won since then. And he's second in points going to the finale. July, NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Kyle Busch wrecks hard. Kurt. Kurt Busch, excuse Kurt me. Kurt Busch, yeah. Kurt wrecked hard. Yeah. Coming off turn three at Pocono for the front stretch. At Pocono. Backs it right into the wall. Backs it right rear into the wall. Hard. Kind of a similar kind of thing. Yeah. Except... They don't fold up like an Indy car. Yeah, and plus they don't fold up like the old car. The old car really used to fold up a lot. A lot of these drivers, you know, they say that the impact goes to the head more than anything. Yeah, it's a but, it's a tough hit now because the clips are all much much more stronger than they but used I mean, to be. But I mean, he hit the same thing that Joseph Newgarden's had hit, which was the side of the seats, because that's the only place your head can hit is a seat. Yeah, you know? and there's not a lot of room, but. You can yeah. still velocity that. You can get a lot of velocity built up in even a small amount of space. Yeah. You've, you've seen the in-car camera with Daniel Suarez. Yeah. That is violent. Mm-hmm. When he got wrecked at Daytona, it wasn't even that bad, and you saw him get thrashed in that yeah. car. Well, bad. I mean, 
He was on the radio. Car didn't even stop. And he said, hey, I backed her square to the wall. I'm sorry, crew, and everything, you know. And I apologize. I backed her in there, folded her right up. Yeah. And now they're pretty much writing his obituary, practically. Yeah. So... But you got to remember how much older he is compared to these other guys. Yeah, I know, but... He's probably had a lot of really big hits. New Garden's not a spring chicken, but he's probably in his mid-30s or whatever. Early. So, I'm just thinking to myself, well, this reminds me of something. Uh, Denny Hamlin on the Door Bumper Clear podcast said John Henry Nemechek was his first choice to to, to, uh, get in that car. Get in which car? 45? Yeah. Okay. You said it was the first choice. He wanted, then, he wanted John Hunter, huh? That's what he had. He had planned on John Hunter. He told and everybody in the whole thing, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to bring John Hunter in here and we're going to, we're going to, because John Hunter has cup experience and, uh, lots of it. Yeah. And so Gibbs called up Dan Hamlin and they talked it out for a while. And, you know, the Gibbs satellite team said, uh, you got to bring in Tater in here. I bet Toyota probably had a hand in that as well. Well, yeah, of course, but Joe Gibbs is at Dan Hamlin are a satellite team for well, obvious of course. reasons. Yeah, because... for very obvious reasons because he owns a team and he drives for a team and they're both of the same manufacturer. So he puts Tater in the car. Yep. Seat time, which makes sense, you know. Uh, Tyrus Cobb Gibbs right there. <laughs> you know, he's months behind as far as seat time is with this brand new car compared to all the other people. Mm. So what better way? And to do that is to take advantage of a good crisis. Hmm. Very true. You know? So, and with all the pro talks with friggin' 18 car there, to Kyle Bush not going the way he wants to. Uh, I, I think that Kurt is probably bought off, bought off. And, uh, like Carl Edwards was bought off. Oh, uh, there's no question that, you know, Carl Edwards was bought out of his ride, He's bought out of his ride. And I think, Kurt is at the same time. However, I don't like the fact that Kurt Bush is uh, being bought off at the expense of his brother. I don't think he would do that. You understand what I'm saying? So, maybe, yeah, maybe not. I don't know. So I'm thinking that Kyle can go to 45. Yeah. Which you think that's more of a Toyota idea or Gibbs to get Kyle out of the a way? A Toyota idea and a Gibbs idea so that they can move uh, Tyrus Cobb. Gibbs into the flagship vehicle, which has always been the A team. Mm. And it's about hubris and everything. And so that way Kirk could feel good about stepping out of the seat, you know, paying he's off got the tire some, rent. He's got something lined up to work anyway. Yeah. He's got he's got announcing gigs already lined up. So And Kyle can go somewhere and be a Gibbs satellite driver. They don't have to move his truck team around. Which really explains why Kyle Bush's attitude would be uh adverse to this because can you imagine being still kind of in your prime being in a flagship being the winningest driver in nascar being history in NASCAR, and then you're gonna go drive a car for your teammate yeah your car owner says look car- we appreciate all this and shit but you know what you're you, gonna drive for your teammate Danny you, hamlin you gotta get out of the way for my kid because you don't have enough for yeah kid whatever because he doesn't have the sponsor money and yeah. whatever because M&M's bailed. I so. mean, it's not like when Waltrip was subbing for Steve Park. Right. It's not like that at all because that was a totally different situation. Waltrip was subbing for Dale Earnhardt, and he was lucky to get anything. He was already well past his prime at that yeah, point. So. Yeah, Kyle's not at Kyle's that point. Kyle's not. He's not at that point where he's lucky to get anything. So. No. 
my guess, I'm going to call it right here. Kyle Bush to the 45. Yep. Kurt Bush retired. Tater Ty Cobbs. <laughs> <laughs> Ty Gibbs. Ty Cobb Gibbs. Yeah. To the 18. We've been saying that for a while. Everybody's coming up with these other things about, you know, RCR and all this other stuff. It's like, look. The Childers know. had the money for a friggin' chart to add a third car. He's not going to waste money by firing Reddick. He He's just buy not going to buy a yeah. third car for a charter because he ain't got the money. Why? Ain't he, if he didn't, if he if, had that kind of money, why wouldn't he have signed him to get it begin with? You're watching a kid win in your equipment and run up front every week, yeah. regardless of the finishes, and you're going to push him aside and spend more money for no guarantee of better results. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna pay two driver salaries for one driver running run the car. It doesn't make it doesn't, sense. It doesn't make any financial sense. So. Again, that's our prediction. I got one last thing to talk about with the cup race. Sure. Uh, we're talking about the cars. Uh, Kevin Harvick. Oh, yeah. Thank you. We need to talk about this. I, we totally I'm glossed sorry, over folks, this. but we have to talk we about ha- this. We cannot go without talking about this. Now, when the initial incident happened, Kevin Harvick did not make any contact with any cars. Mm-hmm. He did not make contact with the wall. No. His car simply burst into flames out of nowhere, and to boot, he... Was not the caution hadn't even flown when he was getting out of the car. Jesus Christ, huh? Watch the replay. Yeah. And wait until the ticker goes yellow because they're pretty dead on when it comes to the broadcast of putting the ticker yellow when the caution comes out, like on that time. Mm-hmm. That ticker doesn't go yellow and car and they actually cut to him getting out of the car and cut back and cars were still racing. Like at full speed, and then you see the yellow come out. Well, wow, no one's Kevin Harvick that. actually posted a tweet about it today and said, Hey, is the caution out yet? <laughs> Which I thought was petty and great at the same time. <laughs> well, that's incredible right there. He had very choice words for NASCAR, which, you know, we'd mentioned Race Day CT talking about. Which we said, yes, everybody's been complaining about the cars all year long, regardless. Trust me, I'm friends with and follow a bunch of NASCAR insiders who work for cup teams on Twitter. And trust me, they know the ins and outs of the cars. And they've been fucking complaining about it all year. Drivers have said they're the hardest hits of their lives all year. This is not no- This is nothing new. Kevin also, Kevin is so vocal because they've been saying it and NASCAR's not doing anything yeah, about it. He said they were shit parts and NASCAR's not doing anything about it. Right. So I just want to also bring it to a point that I heard on the Moody show. This today Dave Moody brings up a good point because he says, listen, all these spontaneous fires, all are forts. Except they, for maybe Chris Busher was he was a little bit a by f- contact and whatnot and yeah. Okay. Number one. Number two. He said, "No one's been, you know, there's not been many fires about it until late in the season. Mm. So, and then all of a sudden, the Fords are running good, but now they're catching on fire. So he must have been able to fix something, allowed to fix something, but they're catching on fire spontaneously. So, it, it, at the expense of rushing to solution, I got no idea what the hell it is. I should have." I should have texted a bunch of people. I got no idea. But I know that these cars, especially with these components like the foam and the crush panels and the bodies and all the chassis and all this stuff, they're all part of that umbrella where it's the single supplier type of deal. Yeah. And NASCAR has extraordinarily steep penalties for alterations on any single 
supplier part. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the door foam, if that's catching on fire, that's a single supplier part. You can't mess with it. And if you do, you get fined. Look at what happened to Denny Hamlin. They put a piece of tape on their nose and got thrown out of a win. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's That was a single supplier part that they, they quote-unquote, modified. Yeah, absolutely. So if the, if the exhaust and the exhaust um, shielding and the door foam and the body and all this stuff is a single supplier part that you basically put together like a piece of uh, like a, a model car, they can't alter it. So there's obviously some kind of a problem. And that is on NASCAR because that is their rule. Right. And their cars are catching on fire for no reason and taking people out of contention in the playoffs and in specific races for no reason. So I can see completely where Kevin Harvick is talking. Plus, they didn't throw the goddamn yellow when he was on fire trying to get out of a burning car. Yeah, he's not happy. No. Not happy Harvick. Unhappy Harvick. Unhappy Harvick. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. At all. It's a situation where they have a bad PR thing going on NASCAR where it's going to be an us, a drivers versus owners versus NASCAR in a, in a Mexican standoff, mm-hmm. basically. And it's just getting uglier and uglier and descent is growing and by day by day and it's just not good. So, listen, I mean, with the new car, listen, you you go to any car dealership and you buy an all-new for all model year Jeep Cherokee or whatever. It was like that in 2012. Mm-hmm. All right? Guess what happened? That sucker had tons of freaking recalls. There's a P14 recall for the brake booster. Uh, there was a, just a ring around the brake booster. There's a P56 with the fuel pump relay. There's a friggin' P36 where the where the electrics and the and the sun visor would catch the roof on fire. There was the friggin' <laughs> I own one of true. these and now I'm very concerned. This is this is all true. There was the head gasket that was part of a warrant. Well, the well, head, mine, mine came the head, five years after that. So the right cylinder head would always go bad, and you would always lose oil pressure. Once you see the oil pressure line, you had to go to the dealership and replace a whole brand new head. So so it was so these all new for, and that happens with almost every all new for model year car. So if this car, brand new all for model year, has a few recalls, I understand. You're gonna have some things not right, and you. But unfortunately, I don't think anybody's going quick enough. No, and it's prototypical NASCAR in this day and age because, you know, back in the day, NASCAR would have a problem. They'd have an addendum out and be like, "Fix this shit now." Yeah, you know, and people would always give NASCAR shit. Oh, they're changing the rules halfway through. No, they're fixing things. Is what they're actually doing. But they're. But the thing is, is that now with the single supplier, mm-hmm. you have to go down the supply chain to fix yeah, things because they made everything a spec car. Yeah, they now say they now say, well, guess what? Now everybody has to make the exact same alterations, which is why they they did that thing with the wheels when those two teams were hogging wheel studs out earlier in the year, so they would fit on the car and not jam up. Yep, they made everybody else do that. They added an addendum to the rules saying you could do that. Yep, Harvick's quote was, "I'm sure it's just crappy parts on the race car, like we've seen so many times." They haven't fixed anything. It's kind of like the safety stuff. We just let it keep going and keep going. The car started burning, and as it burned, the flames started coming through the dash. I ran a couple laps, like 
like a Memphis Bell or something. And then the Flames <laughs> driving the dirt that puts out a fire. <laughs> there ain't so. no dirt at at uh, Darlington. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You drive in the marbles and it gets worse. Yeah, it's just gonna <laughs> be right. worse. Um, it's the flame got bigger and started burning stuff up. And I thought I think right th- right there you see all the brake fluid. Oh, he was talking about the video he was watching. That was probably coming out of the brakes because he burnt a brake line. The fire was coming through the dash. What a disaster for no reason. We didn't touch the wall. We didn't touch a car. And here we are in the pits with a burned-up car. We can't finish the race during the playoffs because of crappy-ass parts. Yeah. Yeah, that says it all. There's a big sow of descent, and boy, they got their hands full. I'm yeah. telling you. He went from being in the playoffs to now 13 points out of the playoffs simply because his car spontaneously combusted. So, oh God, enjoy that. Well, what do we look forward to next week? I believe they're at Kansas. Yeah, they are at Kansas Speedway next week. Okay. So, I believe Xfinity Series is uh, their their playoff season is shorter, so they're going to be coming into that very very quickly. This might be their last race. I'm not sure. But I know we got Talladega coming up. We got all sorts of other wacky-ass shit coming up. Like, I think we got the Roval in the playoffs, too. So, anyway, I am done for notes this week. Phil died, so we don't have him anymore. Yep. Um, Jesse, I think you are you have any notes left? I'm done. All right, we're all done here. So, let's, let's end this thing at the two-hour-plus mark here. Right on time. All right, you can find this podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find us on Instagram at Making Laps Podcast, Facebook.com slash Making Laps Podcast. You can find us, uh, oh, you can send us some feedback too, Making Laps Podcast at gmail.com. You can send us more, like Sean did, a voicemail to anchor.fm slash Making Laps and click the voicemail uh, option. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BrentGleason01. You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash BrentGleason. You can find Phil at PJakes Racing, P-J-A-C-Q-U-E-S Racing, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and uh, I believe on YouTube as well. And you can find Jesse here. He's always here, so it's all good. Buddy. How do we end the show? You're good. Right there is fine. Keep the door upside down. Thank you for listening. All right. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the two episodes this week. Thank you all for uh, listening. I appreciate it. (laughs) 